and we are on air for Fan for Racing's NASCAR Race Review of Phoenix uh, Championship Weekend. And uh, joining me for tonight's show will be Sal Sagawa. He should be here shortly. Uh, we're going to start off with the ARCA Rest Series Championship Race at Phoenix Raceway. Uh, that took place on uh, Saturday. Uh, then we're going to review the Truck Series race that took place on Friday night at Phoenix. And then we'll review the NASCAR Xfinity and Cup Series championship races at Phoenix that took place on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, then at 9.30, our guest is going to be Ricky Brooks. He's in charge of the inspections that take place at Five Flags Speedway for the Snowball Derby. So uh, we'll be talking to him a little bit about that. And then we're going to uh, update the Arca Menards and Arca East Series uh, with our season wrap for our review show. Uh, so with that, at 10 o'clock, we will start our Hot Topic Sound Off. And again, it's going to be our last show uh, for the season. However, we are planning to do a couple of one-offs uh, in December and again in January. So stay tuned for more information on the dates for those shows. So uh, anyway, uh, with that, we'll get into uh, the Arkham Menard Series West race. And joining me now is our co-host for tonight, Sal Fregala. Welcome to the show, Sal. Well, thank you, Sherrod. Uh, just getting ready to get into the ARCA West race. Did you get a chance to watch that, Sal? Yes, I did. Okay. Uh, that was a pretty exciting race. Uh, and uh, one of the most dramatic finishes I've seen in a while. Uh, Ty Gibbs won the race. Uh, the Saturday's uh, Arizona Lottery 100 at Phoenix Raceway. Uh, and we thought Jake Drew was going to be the 2021 champion. And then it was like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> it's not going to be Jake Drew. Uh, it turns out that in the closing lap, there was a misunderstanding by some of the drivers as Ty Gibbs was taking the checkered flag. Um, a couple of drivers uh, thought that they were taking the checkered flag and slowed down uh, when actually they were the last cars on that lap and uh, they were still in the race. That opened the door for Jesse Love to get the one position he needed to tie up the championship title and uh, he had the tiebreaker with his two victories this season. Jake Drew, unfortunately, had no victories. So uh, that gave Jesse Love the championship. What an amazing finish, Sal. Did, did, uh, did you see the race? Yes, I did. Okay, no, I don't know if you've seen it. Yeah, I, I don't know that. The stop by Trevor, it's... Man, I I I couldn't believe he's he's I, I don't know. There's there's it's it's very very questionable. We will never know the truth. Well, I felt for him because 
the checkered flag did wave, but he was getting the white flag at the same time that the checkered flag was waving. So it was a misunderstanding, I think, on his part. And he started to slow down thinking that his part of the race was over when he still had one more lap to go. Yeah, but if if you go back and watch, well, if you would have really seen it, the checkered flag never waved for Trevor. Yeah, okay, it never waved for Trevor. He was already passed when the checkered flag went. Mm-hmm. He was he was already past the start finish line when the checker when they waved the checkered. So how could he see it? So so why did he slow down? I don't know. That's it's questionable. <laughs> I'll talk to you about it after the show. I don't want to I don't want to say anything because oh, I, okay. I don't have no no solid conclusive proof. But either way, um, Jake thought he had the championship won. And, uh, Jake, uh, yeah, and, yeah. But now there was another driver besides Trevor that was slowing down. There were two drivers that slowed down. I forget who the other driver yeah. was now, but there was a second driver besides Trevor that slowed down after that. And uh, one was behind Jesse Love, and the other one was ahead. Trevor was the driver who was ahead of Jesse Love. Jesse Love needed that one more position in order to make it a tie, and it just opened the door for him to get that one more position. He just kept going. Yeah, and, um, you know, yeah, he did, you know, because he was still way in the back. I mean, where Jesse was and where where Jake was, I mean, yeah, um, Jesse knew that the race wasn't over yet because he was, you know, he, he knew who was in front of him. You know, he knew mm-hmm. that all the, you know, all the other cars, you know, were so I mean, yeah, as far as that, but I I don't know. I don't know. I'm just either way, you know, Jesse's a champion and uh you know, and and uh you know, he went back to back championship, you know, and you know, congratulations to him. And um, you know, he's uh sixteen years old and and back to back champion uh here in the Arco West. So I was happy for Jesse. I was disappointed for Jake Drew. I know he thought he had it, uh, and I know that was a huge disappointment for him. I felt bad for Trevor. I thought, you know, I'm sure he didn't. I want to think that he didn't make that mistake on purpose. Uh, But Ty Gibbs was the race winner. It was, um, uh, let me see. Let me take this back because... Arizona Lottery 100, yeah, these are the race results. Uh, Ty Gibbs won. Taylor Gray came in second. This doesn't sound right. No, this is not what? Right. On the final results? Yeah, what I'm looking Which... at here doesn't look like the final results. Because Jake Drew came in second, didn't he? No, no, Jake oh. Drew didn't come in second. Jake yeah, Taylor you're Gray right, you're second. right. You're right. Jake Drew uh, came in in seventh place. He didn't have to come in in first or second. Uh, it was based on his position on the track and the points as they ran. Exactly. So Ty Gibbs came in. Ty Gibbs came in in first place. Taylor Gray in second place. Sammy Smith uh, came in in third place. Those are all rookies. Uh, Nick Sanchez with uh, Rev Racing came in in fourth place. 
J.R. Bergeron came in in fifth place. That rounds out the top five. Another rookie. Another rookie, um, Jake Garcia, came in in sixth place. Then it was Drew Dollar in seventh. Raja Caruth, another rookie in eighth. Gracie Trotter finished in ninth. And Cole Moore, another rookie, finished in tenth place. There were a total of seven rookies in that top ten, which is amazing. Yeah, and, and, and actually, when you look at the finishing order um, from the full-time West drivers, even though this was a West race, so it really doesn't matter. Yeah. But if, if you look at this one, it's just been a, you know, just the West drivers that normally run. Actually, Cole Moore was the highest finishing, you know, uh, full-time uh, oh, full-time West driver. Yeah, as a regular, right. he was the he was the uh, uh, full-time. Jake Drew actually finished in 11th place, and Jesse Love finished in 14th place. Uh, And they're showing Trevor Huddleston in 15th with Tatsu's in 16th. Um, uh, It's just amazing (laughs) uh, how this race ended. I'm I'm still shaking my head over it. Uh, There were a few cars that ran into problems. Paul Pedrincelli had breakthrough issues. Travis Milburn had a transmission issue. Eric Nascimento, I know you've mentioned him as one of the uh, local drivers out there. He ended up being involved in a crash, as was Josh Panopoulos involved in a crash. All those drivers had their days ended early as a result of uh, their individual situations there. The rest of the drivers all finished uh, running. Uh, this was a huge field for for uh, Phoenix Raceway and uh, an amazing race. Uh, do you want to cover the, the points, Sal? Yeah. The, um, let's see where we got here. For the Menards West. Okay. Yeah, I just had it. Huh. That's weird. Did you have anything else you wanted to say about the race itself? Yeah, I mean, it was it was just a it was a dominated win by uh, by um, Ty by Gibbs. Ty Gibbs. You know what? Yeah, and it was just you know another one of those, um, you know, it's another one of those wins. You know where you know you kind of knew, you kind of knew what you know what the outcome was going to be when when he when he was in the field, but. Um, Anyways, um, anyway, so so I, yeah, I guess we'll cover the points. <clears throat> so the points were um, uh, with the final West standing points with Jesse Love finished first. He was the champion. Jay Crew finished second. Um, Cole Moore finished third. Paul Ped, Pedroselli, uh finished fourth. And then uh, Joey East rounded out the top five. And then from there, yeah. then the ne- then the next one down was Trevor Huddleston, Todd Sousa, Takuma Koga, Bridget Burgess, Bobby Hillis Jr. And uh, those were the actually those were the, the ten drivers that that competed every every race this season. And um, mm-hmm. I think pretty sure that Jake Drew ended up getting the uh, Rookie of the Year by two points over Cole oh, okay. Moore. Wow. Wow. 
So that was pretty exciting uh, to watch that race. Like you say, Ty Gibbs pretty much dominated the race. But what I think a lot of people were watching is the positions of Jesse Love and Jake Drew uh, because every position meant either they were one point ahead or one point behind or they were tied, and it just fluctuated throughout the race. It, It really was amazing to watch. Yeah, they're they're they were bouncing back and forth as far as the um as far as the uh who's winning the championship it was going back and forth and um uh man it was just it was just some really something to see uh you know to you know, actually think, you know, even even I thought that Jake had won the championship, you know, I because they didn't show what had happened with Trevor until after you know, and they said that that Jesse Love stayed out. You know, for the mm-hmm. for the um, that he stayed out for the for the victory lane. You know, for the uh, not the victory lane, but for the uh, for the uh, for the winner. You know, then that's when everything just kind of you know everything just kind of uh, exploded from there. You know, then they went back and they showed the replay. You know, Trevor slowing right. down. You know, and and, and you hear him uh, say, "Wait a minute, wait a minute." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then you knew something was up, and uh, they went back and showed that replay, like you say, that showed exactly what happened. Uh, now, for those folks that haven't seen the race yet, uh, there is going to be. Uh, a broadcast on NBC Sports Network this coming Thursday, November the 11th at 5 p.m. Eastern. Again, I always advise people, check your local listing because uh, there might be some differences regionally. But, uh, yeah, 5 p.m. is what it says here on the NBC Sports Network. You want to set your DVRs to catch this one. Um, it's it's a 100-lap race at Phoenix Raceway, and uh, – Again, Ty Gibbs is the winner, uh, but there's a, plenty of action going on throughout that race. Yes, there was. It, it it'll be it'll be good. You whoever whoever has a seat it. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm sure we'll um you know we'll we'll enjoy it. It was a boy. It was an up and down race, but um. <laughs> it was. You know, yeah. It was. It was a. Uh, just the first of many crazy finishes from the whole weekend. Yes, yes. I thought I thought the entire championship weekend was so much fun to watch. Uh, but we'll get into that. Uh, this was the the next race for the Truck Series is going to be the Next Era Energy 250 at Daytona International Speedway on Friday, February the 18th of 2022. JSL. So uh, their last race, of course, was the Lucas Oil 150, and uh, the race winner in the Truck Series was actually Chandler Smith. Uh, He came home with that win, but it was Ben Rhodes who won the Camping World Truck Series Championship. Uh, He's a bantamweight boxer in the training room, but Ben Rhodes punched like a heavyweight on Friday at Phoenix Raceway. On lap 142 of 150 in the Lucas Oil 150, 
of the Truck Series Championship race, Rhodes tapped the tailgate of Zane Smith Chevrolet with the nose of his 99 Thor Sport Racing Toyota. He nudged Smith up the track in turn two and made the pass that secured his very first title. Again, it was the number 18 of Chandler Smith winning the season finale at Phoenix Raceway, and the win was the first to Phoenix his second of the season, and his second win of his career. Smith started from the pole. He won stages one and two and led 39 laps on his way to victory. Stuart Friesen quietly finished second. Then it was Ben Rhodes in third with the finish that locked up the 2021 Truck Series Championship. Sheldon Creed led the most laps of the race, pacing 106 of the 150 out, pulled away the lead on lap 133. Zane Smith ended up finishing fifth. With 10 laps to go, Smith was in position to be the champion, but a pass from Rhodes on lap 141 dashed his hopes as the position determined the championship. The number 98 of Christian Eckes was sixth. Though he fell short of the championship, the drive of the night went to the number four, of John Hunter Nemechek after claiming the regular season championship and leading the series with five race wins. Nemechek's hopes for the championship went south after the drop of the green flag. Contact dropped him in the field, and a flat tire on lap seven forced him to pit under green. He fell two laps down after regaining the last lap. Nemechek charged his way through the field but he was only able to make it up to the seventh position before he <coughs> ran out of laps. Then it was Todd Gilliland, Carson Hosevar, Austin Hill finishing eighth through tenth. Matt Crafton was the lone championship contender to finish outside of the top ten. He ended the night in twelfth place. There were twelve lead changes among three drivers, four cautions for twenty four yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race was 99.374. Chandler Smith's win was uh, his second victory in 38 starts in the truck series, his second victory in ninth top 10 finish this year, his first victory and finish in three races at Phoenix. Stuart Friesen posted his fifth top 10 finish in six races at Phoenix, his ninth top 10 this year. Ben Rhodes posted his fourth top 10 finish in seven races at Phoenix, and Rhodes won the championship, as we mentioned earlier. Chandler Smith in first was the highest finishing rookie. Smith was the winner of the 2021 Sunoco Rookie of the Year honors. Ben Rhodes and Thorsport Racing win uh, the Truck Series title as Toyota clinched the Camping World Track Series uh, Manufacturer's title, and it is the Manufacturer's Series leading 12th Manufacturer's update. So, uh, pretty cool. Yeah, okay, it was... Okay, so uh, your, your thoughts <clears throat> about that win, or that race? Yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a really good race. Um, gosh, I mean... They, 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 all of them really put it out there on the line. And, um, of course, mm-hmm. Chandler Smith came up and, uh, you know, um, Ben Rhodes, you know, did what he had to do, you know, pulled off, you know, you know, the, the charge from a few drivers, you know, to get that, to get that all important spot, you know, to win the championship. Um, kind of, 
kind of was hoping for to see something out of Matt Crafton, but he just never had uh, he just never had a truck to win. Like you said, John Hunter Nemechek got in trouble early in the race and fell. He had to make up a lot of ground after that uh, incident. Sal, are you still there? Oh, okay. For whatever reason, we lost Sal. Uh, But, yeah, he had a lot of ground to make up after that incident. A couple of other drivers had uh, situations. Lawless Allen. Uh, had a accident and ended his day early. Tanner Gray had a rear gear issue. Tate Fogelman an electrical issue. And uh, uh, Tyler Hill had an alternator issue. Everybody else finished on the on the uh, finished the race. So Sal, we lost you there for a minute or two. Yeah, I uh, my phone decided it wanted to to just cut out (laughs) (laughs) the margin of victory is amazing it was 4.694 seconds over a four second lead for Chandler Smith at the finish of that race for a while we thought Zane Smith was going to get the championship yeah he they they did look uh they did look good, you know, for a while there, you know, he was holding his own, but, um, uh, you know, Ben Rhodes was just, you know, kind of like, kind of like, in a, for the championship contenders, he was a class of the field. Um, uh, even, um, it looked like that, uh, uh, Sheldon Creed might even, might even picked up, you know, had a chance, you know, shot at the, uh, had a shot at the win too, but um, Chandler Smith was—he was not going to be denied. So um, for mm-hmm. Kyle Busch Motorsports, you know, you know, it meant, you know, it meant that he he got, you know, he got the race win, but didn't end, end up with the championship. Yeah, it's like Ben Rhodes just kind of uh, went into another gear there, uh, and said, "Not tonight." <laughs> And he went. He was able to chase down Zane Smith and get around him uh, in order to get secure that position for the championship. And you're right, Sheldon Creed. Uh, he led the most laps. 106 of the laps of 150 laps were led by uh, Sheldon Creed. So, yeah, it, it uh, was an amazing race. Yeah, it was, it was an amazing. It was a good race, you know. It was, uh, for anyone that was, you know, especially for the people that were there too, you know, you know, got a chance, you know, to enjoy, you know, a, uh, you know, a good good race on a Friday night, you know, that you know that led up to yeah. the, um, you know, to the next three races, which were two on Saturday and of course the one on Sunday. Yep. Do you want to uh, go ahead and cover the points as they run for the final, the final for twenty twenty one? Yeah, the, the points for the end of 2021 was uh, Ben Rhodes, um, of course, was our champion. Zane Smith finished second. John Hunter Nemechek was third. Matt Crafton was fourth. Sheldon Creed finished fifth. That rounds out the top five. And then 
from there down, then it goes to um, Stuart Friesen, Todd Gilliland in seventh, Chandler Smith in eighth, Austin Hill in ninth, and uh, Carson Hosovar ended up um, rounding out the uh, the top ten for the points for the 2021 uh, uh, Kathy World uh, Truck Series. Yes, indeed. I mean, and, and the points, if you count the points difference uh, from first to fourth, it was nine points uh, between those four drivers uh, separating, you know, Ben Rhodes, the champion, uh, to Matt Crafton, who finished in fourth place. That's a very tight race. Yes, I mean, when you, yeah, when you look at a points point, but when you actually watch the race, you know, it, it didn't it didn't seem like it. You know, it seemed a lot different. Yeah. You know, because yeah, of all I the all the mean. different scenarios that are popping up. Yeah, then with the, you know, fact, you know, that you had a lot of uh, non non uh, non championship contenders. You know, that were running up, you know, up front in front of the championship contenders. You know, so it made it a lot. You know, made the you know, everything finishing order, everything, you know, look a lot, a lot different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we've got a lot to look forward to next season. Uh, Thor Sports, like I said earlier, that was their first uh, owner's championship that Ben Rhodes got for them too. So that was a pretty big deal with him bringing home that driver's championship. Yeah, it was. So it sounded like, from the way Matt Crafton was talking, that he's going to be back next year at Thor Sport. I'm curious who else is going to who else is coming back next year too, because I know uh, Sheldon Creed he's moving up to Xfinity Series next season. Um, mm-hmm. Matt Crafton's not going to have his crew chief though. Yeah, he's changing crew chiefs, and Zane um, uh, Smith right now he hasn't. He doesn't know where he's going to be next season either. Mm-hmm. So I hope he is coming. I hope they're back with the truck series. These guys are all great truck series drivers, um, and uh, I'd love to see them come back again next season. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be uh, it's going to be a, uh, an interesting season next year. I'm sure it'll be just as exciting as it was this year. You know, with the you know with the veterans that are coming back, you know, and the drivers that are coming back, so I'm sure you know we're mm-hmm. going to see another you know another good run for it. Sound like John Hunter Nemechek is also coming back from what from what he was talking after during his uh, post race interview. Yeah, it did kind of sound that way, but I I kind of expect him to be running some races in the Xfinity Series next year too. So we'll wait and see what happens. Uh, speaking of the Xfinity series, let's go ahead and get started with that series because they also had a championship race this weekend. And did I call it? I was talking on Thursday night about how great it would be for Daniel Emmerich to get his first win and win the championship. And that's exactly what happened. So. Yeah, it was, uh, oh my gosh, what a race. Um, I know. What a finish. Not so much. The race played had a whole bunch of different scenarios, but the finish itself, gosh. I mean, that was really one heck of a finish for the the championship. Yeah. Yeah. 
Don't and Daniel finally, coming to the finish. <clears throat> he finally did what he needed to do. We were talking last Monday, and I said, if Daniel yep. expects to win anything, he needs to get, he needs to be a man about it, and, and yep. he needs to be a little bit more aggressive. You know what? And finally, you know, on that last lap, you know, he got aggressive. You know, did what he had to do. You know, to get that. You know, not only the win, but get the championship. Yep. Executing a bump and run on the final corner of the last lap, Daniel Hemrick earned his first career Xfinity Series victory while passing Austin Sindrick for the lead. Um, it was Hemrick's first victory. Okay. He picked the perfect time to win his first NASCAR National Series race, and the title came with it, executing that aggressive bump and run on Saturday night in the championship. He passed Austin Sindrick in the final two corners at Phoenix Raceway. Uh, It was Emmerich's first NASCAR Cup Series victory in 208 starts, 38 Cup Series, 120 Xfinity Series, and 50 Truck Series races. Cindric finished second, missing out on his second consecutive championship, despite leading a race-high 113 laps. The other two championship four drivers, Noah Gregson and A.J. Allmendinger, experienced late race woes. They ended up finishing 13th and 14th, respectively. Harrison Burton came from the rear of the field to finish third, while Riley Earps finished fourth, and Justin Haley rounded out the top five. John Hunter Nemechek took the checkered flag in the sixth, in sixth place, and Brandon Jones in seventh. Then it was Brett Moffat, Justin Algauer, and Sheldon Creed making up the rest of the top ten. There were 16 lead changes among five drivers, 10 cautions for 61 yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race was 85.845 miles per hour. Um, again, it was his uh, first, Daniel Hemrick's first victory in 120 Xfinity Series races, his first victory and 21st top 10 finish in 2021. Also, his first victory and fifth top 10 finish in eight races at Phoenix. Austin Sendrick posted his seventh top ten finish in eight races at Phoenix and his 26th top ten finish in 2021. Harrison Burton uh, posted his third top ten finish in four races at Phoenix, and it was Sam Mayer who finished in 13th, was the highest finishing rookie of the race. Uh, Daniel Hemrick, of course, won the Xfinity Series Driver Championship, Team Penske's number 22 team with driver Austin Sendrick won the 2021 Xfinity Series Owners Championship. Ty Gibbs wins the 2021 Xfinity Series Rookie of the Year Honors, and Chevrolet clinched the 2021 Xfinity Series Manufacturers Championship, their series leading 22nd title. Your thoughts about the race results, Sal? Yeah, the race results were real. Like I said, it was man, it was really a, a really good race. Um, that last lap when, um, when Daniel, you know, they were coming around, you know, for the you know, to cover out to the checker, you know, um, it looked like it looked like he didn't have enough for, for Centric and then you know, when he 
came around, you know, one and two and started making the run on him, you know, and, and you know, finally, you know, was able to get underneath them, you know, and uh, move him up a little bit, you know, and of course, um, Cedric moved him back down, you know, and they, they, you know, bumped each other. That's, you know, that, that's mm-hmm. a, you know, that's a, always a great finish, you know, for a championship race and also for a driver's first win. But, you know, Daniel fine did what he had to do, you know what, and, and he finally, you know, you know, um, you know, got aggressive, you know, at the right time, mm-hmm. you know, when he needed to, to get the, you know, to get the win. And, you know, more importantly, to get the championship well, too. I was listening to his radio uh, during the race, and I heard him say, I will not be denied. <laughs> and he just made up his mind that he was going to go after it, and he certainly did. You know, and, and throughout the season, we talked about it. You know, had he, had he taken yep. this route, he would have had a lot more wins. He would have he, he could have made the championship run a little bit more easier. Um, yeah. Same thing, you know, when you – when you go back and look at drivers, you know, drivers like Bobby Labonte, you know, Bobby Labonte should have had more than just the one cup champion. You know, he should have, had, you know, three or four, but he was always a gentleman out of the track, you know, and that's one thing that, you know, a lot of the fans, a lot of mm-hmm. people talked about, you know, was the, you know, you have to be aggressive, you know, you got to want it, you got to go off, you got to go out there and get it because it's not going to be given to you. Yep, the margin of victory was point zero three zero seconds. That's how close it was. Again, Austin Sindrick won the first stage. It was the number 18 of Daniel Hemrick winning the second and third stage. Uh, so uh, Jeffrey Earnhardt had an accident, as did, as did Joe Graff Jr. Uh, Dennis Stefan Parsons had an engine issue. And then also involved in accidents were Josh William and Jay. Jake Buford, uh, those are the only drivers that did not finish the complete race. Uh, everybody else uh, finished running uh, in this race. Uh, we mentioned that um, uh, Sam Mayer was the highest finishing rookie. Give a shout-out to uh, Dylan Lupton, one of our buddies here on Tampa Racing Radio. Uh, ended up with a 15th-place finish, as did Blaine Perkins finishing in 16th couple of our buddies. Yeah, you know, yeah, you got to give a shout-out to them, you know. You know, especially Daniel, uh, well, actually both of them, uh, mm-hmm. Lane Perkins and, um, and Dylan Lupton, because, you know, they're both not full-time drivers. You know, they just come, you know, for select races, you know. And, uh, yep. you know, and, but this is always, this has always been, I think, one of, um, one of, one of Lupton's, you know, favorite, favorite stocks at the, you know, that the, uh, the tour makes. And what about Riley Earps? I think he came on strong in the second half of the season. He ended up with a fourth place finish. Yeah, he he had a he had a really good run too. Um, you know, almost looked like he was going to get a podium, and uh, you know he just mm-hmm. kept grinding, 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 and finally he he um, found out that he had no more real estate. <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, you know, I, I heard today uh, my the little girl that lives across the street was telling me that Justin Algauer, uh is going to do a Zoom call with her class tomorrow. Uh, of course, he's from Illinois here, uh, but the kids have been learning about Justin Algauer and uh, his racing career, 
And so they're going to have a chance to ask him questions tomorrow. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, it is, you know, especially for, you know, for him to take, you know, you know, time out of his time, you know, during championship weekend, you know, slash championship week, you know, and take the time out, you know, to talk to, you know, to Yankees like that. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was awesome. And the fact that they're learning about him, you know, the fact that he's from Riverton, Illinois here, and and uh, that he's been a NASCAR driver, she knew some things uh, about him already and had her questions already. So uh, I thought uh, that was worthy of note. And uh, a shout-out to Justin Algauer. Okay, uh, Sal, let's cover the points here for the uh, Xfinity Series. Okay. Uh, let's see if we're at here. Xfinity Series points. Um, oh, this is the – I was wondering why it looks it looks so familiar. I was like, wow, I thought pretty crazy, but it was the – it was the um, – the uh, – which got the finishing order. Okay, so the drive driver's oh. point, of course, we already know that we already know that Daniel Hemrick won the championship, finished him first. Um second was Austin Cedric. Um third was uh Noah Gregson. Fourth is all Almendinger and that runs out the uh the top four as far as the chase went. And then the fifth place driver was uh um Justin Elgeyer. Why yeah, is this showing? Uh, why is it showing AJ Allmendinger when it should be showing? AJ Allmendinger was one of the top four. Yeah, that's right. It's fourth. Okay, and then Justin Allgaier. Okay, Justin Allgaier's fifth. Justin Haley sixth. Brandon Jones seventh. Harrison Burton eighth. Matt Snyder ninth, and Jeb Burton finishes the top ten. How about that? Those two Burton boys in the top ten. <laughs> yeah, that one Herps. Riley Herps is right there. You know, only five points he away was. from. You know, finishing in the top ten. Yep, yep. Riley Herps had a great season. Uh, he started out slow, Sal. And I think a lot of people were worried about it because he was in the championship-winning car from last year. So uh, I I kept saying, give him a chance to kind of get his feet under him. I think he'll be better in the second half. And he was better. I hope he's coming back uh, to Stuart House Racing for the next season in the Xfinity Series. Uh, We really don't know yet. But I hope Riley does come back. Yeah, so do I. I hope he gets that the opportunity again to run in the series. You know what? No, it's um, it's important for all of them, you know, to really come back. But you know, you you really want to see Riley come back, you know, instead of um, you know the 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 rumor, which I doubt it's it's going to transpire, but having Haley Deegan taking over that seat. Ooh, well, not not that. I mean, that would be okay, but. I just really want to see Riley get another opportunity in that car. I'm not dissing Haley by saying that. I'm just really promoting Riley Earps because I think he deserves to get that opportunity. You know what? And I think, 
hopefully NASCAR goes back to practice and qualify next season. Because if they do, you're mm-hmm. going to see a lot of drivers are going to shine next season. It, it's hard to come into a series when when you're, you know, when basically your uh, yeah. your your starting position is by by the luck of the draw, you know, or or finish that race. It's the metric uh, system, yeah. You know, and I, I think yeah, that's that is hard. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping that. You know, I'm hoping, you know, that next year, you know, that NASCAR opens it up, you know, and that some, you know, have practice and qualifying again. And then, you know, this way, you know, you can really see what a driver's worth is, you know, and see how, you know, how, you know, how much that practice is going to help. Yes, indeed. I got to say, I was happy with the uh, all three champions, all four champions, if you count the Arco West. Uh, Kyle Larson. <laughs> came full circle in winning the NASCAR Cup Series championship race. At the end of an almost mythical season came the quintessential story of redemption, uh, taking advantage of an opportune caution and a blazingly fast pit stop by his number five Hendrick Motorsports Chevrolet crew. Larson was able to hold off Martin Truex Jr. during a 24-lap green flag run to the finish on Sunday's NASCAR Cup Series championship race. Kyle Larson won the season finale uh, at uh, Phoenix Raceway to capture his first NASCAR Cup Series championship. The win was his 10th of this season, the first win at Phoenix and the 16th career win. Truex finished second, followed by Hamlin, Blaney, Elliott, Almarola, Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, Christopher Bell, and Brad Keselowski. A late caution came out with 31 laps remaining. Larson entered the pit fourth, but his crew got him off pit road first, and he was able to hold off the rest of the playoff drivers. Stage one was run by Martin Truex Jr., stage two by Kyle Larson, uh, and there were 18 lead changes among seven drivers, nine cautions for 51 yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race was 100.348 miles per hour. Larson won the 34th Annual Cup Series Championship race. It was his 659 Cup Series start, his 10th victory and 26th top 10 finish of 2021. Uh, His first victory and 9th top 10 finish in 15 races at Phoenix. Martin Truex in second posted his 14th top 10 finish in 32 races at Phoenix and his 20th top 10 finish this season. Denny Hamlin in third posted his 20th top 10 finish in 33 races at Phoenix. Anthony Alfredo, who finished 34th, was the highest finishing rookie. He had a little bit of a scary moment on the track, Uh, so uh, it's good to see that he was able to recover. Uh, Kyle Larson and Hendrick Motorsports have won uh, the NASCAR Cup Series Driver and Owner Championships. Chase Briscoe won the Sunoco Rookie of the Year Honors, and Chevrolet won the 2021 NASCAR Cup Series Manufacturers Championship. So your thoughts there, Sal, about the race results in the NASCAR Cup Series race? Yeah, it was uh, a... That last pit stop that Kyle Larson had, that was the deciding mm-hmm. factor right there. If it wasn't for that yes, it was. 11, 
like 11.8 second pit stop. We would probably be talking about Martin Truex Jr. being the cup champion. But that, that exactly. two seconds that he was faster than Truex, and actually he beat Truex by, uh, I think, a little, somewhere around a half a second or something like that. But that two two second. Um, it was .398 seconds. Yeah, and um, and the margin beat of him out of the. Yeah, he beat him out of the. He he had a, his pit stop was two seconds faster than um, than Mark Truex Jr. Right. And that's what put him out so, front. And Martin tried to pass him, but he just wasn't able to do it. He needed a longer run. He had a good long run car. Uh, so the the twenty laps that they had left just wasn't enough time for Martin. Truex's car to come in to make that pass. Oh, no, it wasn't. And even, uh, you know, I know Danny Hamlin, he was trying to make a, he was trying to make a run at them, but he just, he just didn't have the car at the end of the race to, you know, really compete with, with Kyle Larson and Mark Truex Sr. Yeah, I was a little surprised that it wasn't Chase Elliott. I thought Chase Elliott was going to go back-to-back. Had he done that, he would have been the youngest uh, champion to win back-to-back, you know, multiple championships uh, at such a young age. Uh, But it just wasn't meant to be. He ended up being the fourth of the four. Yeah, but, I mean, you you still hang your your head up high, you know, to be able to make the final four, you know, especially – you know, especially with some of the, you know, you know, some of the things that led up to it, you know, you know, during the race, you know, um, you know, uh, they they said that Kyle's car could have been fast too because I guess earlier in the race that he got hit in the in the back by um, Chase Elliott and it kind of put a little wrinkle in the back, yeah. back quarter panel. You know, they said you know that that could have been. That could also be the uh, deciding factor for his uh, championship. That's true. That's true. Um, But uh, these guys really put on a good show uh, throughout the race. It was fun to watch uh, throughout the race. Uh, And uh, I can't wait to see what happens next year uh, with this group, Uh, especially with the new car that's coming out. Yeah, it, it's going to be exciting. I mean, I I know there's there's a lot of drivers that are looking forward to it. Um, you know, they they you know they've talked about it, and um, you know, I guess we'll have to wait. You know, until that time comes. You know, and um, you know, see see what transpires, see how it runs, and and hopefully it, it's not a hopefully it doesn't take away from from the race, but hopefully it'll it'll add a you know a new twist and a new dimension. Well, Sal, I'm, I'm hoping you're going to be here because the next race for the Cup Series is going to be that Bushlight Clash at the Coliseum uh, in L.A. Are you are you planning to go to that? Yeah, I got. We got to see how I how we can get me a a credential because I know that's going to be one of the one of the, one of the top races that everybody's going to want to cover. Being here in L.A. it's going to oh, be yeah. so easy for me because I'm only. I'm only like 20 minutes from the Coliseum, so yeah, I'm definitely gonna. That's definitely on my list. <laughs> I hope so. Uh, we'll have to stay in touch about that. Uh, let's go ahead yeah. and cover the uh, 
championship points as they run at the end of the 2021 season. So at the end of the season, uh, we already know that, uh, what did they just do here? You've got the points, right? Yeah, so at the end of the season, we end up, of course, Kyle Larson at first. Uh, Martin Truex is second, uh, Danny Hamlin in third, Chase Elliott in fourth, and uh, rounding off the top five is uh, Kevin Harvick ended up to be the um, the uh, the next highest other than than our, than our four Chase drivers. <clears throat> then from there, then we go down to six, which is Brad Keselowski. Seventh is Ryan Blaney. Eighth is Joey Logano. Ninth is Kyle Busch, and, and rounding off the top ten is uh, William Byron. Uh, it's going to be exciting to see what happens next season when uh, um, Austin Fisher comes to the number two and um, mm-hmm. Brad Kozlowski goes to the goes to number six over with uh, Ralph Fenway as a as a driver owner now. Yeah, that is going to be interesting. I think Cindric is going to surprise a lot of people. Um, I think he's had some good runs already in the Cup Series for the few races that he's already run. And uh, I think he, he might surprise a few people, although we know how hard that transition is between the Xfinity and the Cup Series. But I, I just think that with some of his runs already in the Cup Series, he's had some pretty good runs. Oh, yeah, we, we, we've heard from the drivers already that it made the Made the transition, you know, you know they talk about, you know that, uh, you know it's it's just a whole different, you know, even though you know a lot of these drivers, you know they they've, you know they've had one or two starts, you know in the Cup Series, you know, a few starts, but you know they they do talk about how hard it is to run, you know, to run a full time schedule in that series, you know, with the level of competition that you know and the talent field that's out there. Mhm. Yeah, it's a whole new ball game, and it's the reason why they call that the Premier Series. So, uh, but congratulations to all of the uh, NASCAR champions and the ARCA Racing, ARCA West champions. Uh, it, it was an exciting weekend. I thought everybody put on a great show, and I thought everybody was pretty. Um, you know, all of the races were pretty clean. <clears throat> Yeah, they were for the most part. Um, you know, they were for the most part. I'm just, you know, going to see, you know, how how everything um, plays out next year, you know, with some of the drivers that are leaving, like um, what's going to happen with uh, Ryan Newman. Mm-hmm. You know, um, they still haven't made an announcement about the, the – um, the charter for Kurt Busch for the, they haven't put it in concrete yet for the charter for Kurt, Kurt Busch and the, um, with Danny Hamlin bringing another, you know, another team into yep. the series. <clears throat> A lot of speculation there, but nothing concrete yet. You're absolutely right. And then to see if, uh, see if NASCAR is going to do anything about um, Bubba Wallace um, running out on the track the way he did. Oh, to say to congratulate his buddy. When he went out after Corey LaJoy, you know, for um, 
you know, for that little bump. Oh, I didn't know anything about that. When when did that happen? Right after he right after he knocked him into the wall, Bubba got out of the car and went ran up on the track and pointed his finger at um at uh Corey, uh, Corey and Joy. Oh yeah, those days are supposed to be gone. <clears throat> They're not supposed to do that. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. To... We'll see if NASCAR does anything. But yeah. I missed that. I must have uh, stepped away for a minute when that happened. Yeah, it was like the it was like the seventh seventh lap into the race, and uh, Corey and um, gosh, there was another driver that was like around him, and they came three wide, and they ended up knocking Bubba. He clipped Bubba, knocked him into the wall, and Bubba got wow. out of the car. <clears throat> went out on the track and um and was you know waving his finger at him you know like you know like or make make an arm an arm gesture you know like dude I can't believe you just did that right right well you know if there's going to be a penalty we'll probably hear about it Tuesday or Wednesday so uh, <clears throat> we'll have to wait and see what happens. Yeah, we've got a guest coming up here at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, let's do a lead-in as to just who is Ricky Brook. <laughs> yeah, our, our our guest for tonight is Ricky Brooks. He's the lead tech um, for the upcoming Snowball Derby. He's also uh, lead tech for the SRL series. Um, you know, runs over here, and, and, um, and uh, he's done tech for um, – for a few other tracks and you know it's exciting you know to, to get his to get his view you know what they look for you know in, in the um mm-hmm. you know when when cars are going through tech you know different things you know with the drivers um you know we um just this past championship race we had a driver you know that got um that got dq'd for um for uh um too much weight you know, mm-hmm. so, I mean, it's just, you know, kind of, just kind of, I guess, kind of like, like what we've done in the past, you know, where we've had um, tire guys on here, we've had team owners, you know, and, you know, we mm-hmm. just had different, you know, to, just to try and get a little bit of a, uh, hang on. Perspective. Come on, get out of here. Well, dog. I will say this: Ricky Brooks has a reputation as a uh, uh, as a no nonsense testing inspector. Uh, you don't mess with him. If he says uh, there's a penalty, uh, it, it is a penalty, and he does command a lot of respect from the drivers uh, because he wants to make sure that whoever wins that race. Has that they've done it legitimately and without cheating, and so uh, that's one of the reasons his reputation is one of the reasons they asked him to come out to the FRL out there on the West Coast and become a tech uh, advisor out there uh, is because of his no nonsense approach. Yeah, you know, and, and uh, you know, it, it's. Um... You know, there's there's a lot that goes into it. You know, he just doesn't do it, you know, just to be the bad guy. But, you know, there has Mm -hmm. to, 
in, in racing, you have to have a, um, you know, you have to have, uh, you know, it's like they say, sure, the drivers are going to, um, you know, they're going to, uh, you know, push the envelope. And if they're not, you know, then they're not trying. You know, that's why we have mm-hmm. you know, the rules that we have set up, you know what. And um, and it's not like he's hiding anything, you know, like, you know, car three, four, and five, you know, are the only ones that are, um, you know, that are bound to those rules. You know, the rules are there, you know, for a reason, you know, mm-hmm. to, to level, to try to level the playing field as, you know, as, as evenly as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've had Ricky on before, uh, but this is uh, ahead of the Snowball Derby that's going to be taking place December 2nd to the 5th. It culminates with the so, uh, Snowball Derby on the 5th, and we usually try to get the Snowball Derby winner on our show. I know we're planning to do one around uh, the 6th or the 7th of December, so uh, that will be our December show is uh, when we – you know, after that snowball derby, and we can kind of talk about that. <clears throat> yes, it'll. Hopefully, we can get the. Hopefully, we can get the winner on. You know, after the. Um. You know, after the uh, after the derby, I know the last few years has been kind of hard. You know, with with uh, you know with the driver who has won the, the drivers who have won the snowball derby, but um, we'll see what happens and, this year. And what? Some people may or may not know is Eric Jones beat Kyle Busch at the Snowball Derby, and that's what caught his attention to hire him uh, on for the Truck Series. Uh, that's how Eric uh, Jones was able to move up. Exactly. You know, the, it's a it's a big race. You know, it's um, you know, it's uh, it, you know, one of the top short track races in the nation. You know, and, and and a lot of the drivers, they look forward to, uh, you know, they look, they look forward, you know, to going out, you know, making that trip to Pensacola, you know, to um, to racing it, you know. Um, I know you're planning to go too, right? Tell. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If I already got my reservations and plane and got my room and I'm uh, just sitting here waiting for the three weeks, three weeks to come up so I can. Yes. So I can jump on my plane and head out there. Is um, is Derek coming out this year? Oh yeah, Derek definitely be up there. Oh, he'll be good. running the um, he'll be running super late, and then he's also running the the Snowflake 100, which is his pro late car, which is a race that he won. Um, he won that race uh, two years ago. So okay. He's looking forward so to, uh, hopefully, this will be his year. I hope, yeah, I hope so, too. Uh, your guest is uh, here. If you want to go ahead and introduce <clears throat> him and uh, start the interview, we'll go from there. Okay. Well, our next guest is Ricky Brooks. He's um, he, he, he's a lead tech at, um, like me and Cheryl were saying, the Snowball Derby. But he also is a lead tech for the um, for the Spear SRL Southwest Tour out here in um out here on the west coast and he does tech for the uh for the trans am series and uh he's you know he's he's known all over for his um you know for his his i i have to say his for his, his fairness you know a lot of a lot of don't like him a lot of them a lot of them like him you know but you know he's he's there for, he's here for a reason you know what and and if you ever get to the snowball derby you stop by tech you gotta definitely try 
is bacon. It's some of the best that I've ever eaten, and I'm a bacon fanatic. With that, welcome to the show, Ricky. <laughs> How you doing? Doing good. It's, um, I want to thank you for coming on the show, you know, and, uh, you know, just kind of talk about, you know, a little bit, you know, about what, you know, what a tech director does and, you know, and, and uh, you know, some of the, <coughs> excuse me, some, some of the pressures, you know, that, that you have to go through, you know, you know, on a race weekend, especially when you got a big race like the Snowball Derby coming up. Well, I hate to hurt your feelings, but we're not going to have bacon this year. Uh-oh. Uh oh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. My wife's already ordered it. Uh it's like any other race, it's just organization and uh managing everything and over the years we've we've fine tuned it and it's it's like a good old machine. It just runs smoothly. Um, I don't know how we could change it to run any smoother at this point. You know, it, it, it from, from when I've seen, you know, you know, you're over here with the SRL series, you know, you have, you have this, you know, you have your team here. And then of course you have your team that goes over there. How important is the team, you know, that works around you? Cause I, I mean, you can't, possibly do this job by yourself no that's 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 the main thing the i can't do it by myself it's it's there's no possible way and you got to have you got to have have good people with you working with you being able to trust them that they're going to do the right job and you don't have to look over their shoulders and that's that's what i've got on on both both ends of the coast um Matter of fact, I got three of the people that helps me on the West Coast coming to the Derby now. They they come last year and they're coming back this year. Um, and then I got the the other people that I've had with me at the Derby for several years now. Pretty much ever since I've been doing the Derby. But I lost two or three of them. Just people get up in age and. But I'm loyal to the people that's helped me over the years. They they tell me they can't do it anymore. I don't get rid of them, and we we stick together, and um, it just clicks. Like I said, the the derby we've tweaked over the years, and, and it's the same people you see every year, and we we have fun with what we do. But it's it's after five days you're wore out. So 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 what's what's the toughest part about about being a tech director? You know, I, I know you know you guys. First of all, I know it's long hours. You're you're there way before the track opens because you're getting everything set up. You're there way when the track closes because you know you're getting the last car, the last winner through tech. You know, and you're getting you know ready for the you know for the next day. But but other than that, what is the hardest? What was what would Ricky Brooks say is the hardest part about being about being a, a, a tech director? The hard, the hardest part is is basically when you find somebody wrong and you got to throw them out. Uh, I mean, we don't go into any weekend wanting to throw anybody out, but I'm also not going to turn turn my back on something illegal and just let it go either. Um, and 
people think I'm that I'm special, but I'm not really special. I just got a backbone, and I stand up for what's right, and and that's the only way I'm going to do it. And I don't work for anybody that wants me to look the other way. You know, and, and of course, you know, everybody talks about, you know, the infamous, you know, the nickname they gave, you know, the Room of Doom. <clears throat> you know, if they look at other tech directors, you know, like you said, I've seen it, you know, tech directors, you know, turn their back on a lot of things, you know, and, and just, okay, you know what, let's just get get them through, you know what. For whatever reason, each one has their reasons. Each track has their reasons. Each uh, series has their reasons. But, um, you know, when, when people, you know, you know, they, they know the moniker, you know, when they, when they, when they come to the derby, you know, and they know that they're going to go through the tech shed. I mean, you have a, you know, everybody knows it's the room with doom, but then you also have your little, um, your sign there, you know, it says, you know, which you can explain to us what the sign, what it says and what it means. Well, years ago, I started saying it is what it is. And it's basically, that's what it is. I mean, you can't change it. And then I put another one on there, you can't fix stupid. And that's probably one thing in this world <laughs> nobody can fix is stupid. And and some of the stuff that, that comes through there, you're like, really? It's it's just unbelievable what every now and then you'll you'll come across something like that, you know? But the the Derby's gotten a lot better as far as that kind of stuff. Every now and then something will pop up, but um, it's 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 gotten tremendously better. It's like when we first when I first started, every every derby we would keep, you know, eight to ten carburetors, would tag them, put them on the shelf, and at the end of the weekend we'd give them back because they they were illegal. But last couple of years I haven't had to do that. Um, Mr. Jack, he had to retire because of COPD, and so last year was the first year he told me he could he couldn't come. So I got off the phone. I was talking with my wife, and she says that's something I can do. So I went and bought uh, two new sets of carburetor gauges and had a BLP here in Orlando put a, a carburetor together, and I brought it home and. Uh, she sat on the on the couch watching TV. I showed her how to check it, and she uh, she mastered it. And then we went to the the snowball, and I had one of the carburetor manufacturers, VDL, just kind of looking over her shoulder. He come out about ten minutes after standing in there with her and said, "She don't need my help." So <laughs> it it all went went well. That's that's a that's awesome when you know when your wife Tracy you know can get involved you know in, in the tech you know and, and also help out like that. Now with that, Ricky, I'm going to turn it over to Sharon to the show host. I know she has some questions for you too. Hi, Ricky. I'm glad you're able to be on the show tonight. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Well, we always enjoy having you here. Uh, you've got a reputation, as as we've been talking about, uh, for being uh, fair with everybody, and uh, it's good to hear that that fairness is is uh, resulting in better results there for you at the Snowball Derby. 
But I'm curious to know, are there things that are a little bit different between the Snowball Derby and what you're doing at the SRL, or is it pretty similar uh, the way you set up for the inspections for those races? Uh, it's 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 pretty much identical to what we do for like the winter showdown or the all star showdown, but uh, uh, just a typical Saturday night race. We don't do as much as we do at one of those events, uh, but pretty much everything's the same that we do all over. Um, it doesn't it doesn't really change at the at the snowball. You you can't you can't work with them as much as you would on a Saturday night race, but most of the time it's something that you don't need to work with them on anyway. Okay, because I know Snowball Derby, you get quite a few drivers that are coming out uh, for the Snowball Derby in hopes of uh, uh, qualifying and being in that final event uh, on the last day. Uh, How do you manage to get through all of those cars? Because it, it's a whopping number. Well, it's like he was saying a few minutes ago, it, it's it's the team. Without all the individuals I have helping me, which is 14, there's no way possible to do it. On the first day, we, we'll have two separate tech lines running, and we'll run all the supers through one line and all the pros through another line. And then after that first day, we get them all through, then – now it'll just become one late model line, and then I got a local tech line that I got to run all the local cars through. Because we'll have we have five divisions coming in and out of there the rest of the weekend. So it's it's so, just having good people in place. I don't I, and them knowing what to do, and I'm just kind of overseeing it. Well, I know your reputation uh, is uh, well-known around the country, and that's why you're involved in some of these other uh, late-model and pro-late-model series uh, around the country. But you also do – did I did I hear Sal say that you're also doing some sports car inspections yes, too? Back in, yes, back in the end of 2016, I got approached by uh, – Trans Am Race Company to to do the TA2 division, and I went to three events that year, and then I took that division over in 2017, and we've made a few modifications to the rules, and um, basically the same deal, you know, just, just tech the race cars. It doesn't matter how big your wallet is or who you are, everybody gets treated the same, and we actually, I've, they had a record car count of 38 back in 2015, and we were going to beat that last year till COVID come, and then this year I've hit that number twice, and then this wow. past weekend at at uh, Circuits of America in uh, Austin, Texas, we actually beat that record. We had 52 cars. Wow. wow. <clears throat> That's amazing, um, and and your crew was able to handle it, obviously. Yes, yes, we we but, um, we we ran all the cars through tech like we normally do. I had to add about an hour to the schedule. To, I mean, to our tech schedule to do that. 
but we got all the cars through tech in about four hours, and everything went smooth. It was a busy weekend, but it went smooth. Well, that's good. Uh, and, again, it's your experience that uh, that really, I think, makes a difference there. Um, but uh, you've got it, the, this year's Snowball Derby coming up uh, the first week of December, uh, the 2nd through the 5th. Uh, it's going to be busy because you've got cars coming from all over the country. Um, what is your most memorable moment of, ins- of inspections for the Snowball Derby? That's a hard one because i got a, a lot of good <laughs> good times at the Derby. <laughs> I, I don't know if there's one thing that you could put it on, to be honest with you. Okay. Um, can you think of one that you're willing to share with us? How, how about getting a call from you Kyle t- Bush? What's that? <laughs> how about getting a call from Kyle Bush? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, that's that's kind of made out into something. It ain't it ain't really something to brag about. I mean, I. There again, I'm not going to turn a blind eye on anybody. Um, I'd probably say one one of them is is whenever we had to have a meeting in Tim's office with Kyle, and we kind of walked out of there, you know, kind of on the same page for once. And then he then he come out to the uh, winter showdown, and it was just. A total different. Sometimes people think you got it against them when you really don't. You just want them to act like everybody else and treat you with the same respect that they want. And that's really all it's right. about. We we all got to we all got to have fun. And at the end of the day, they got a job to do. I have a job to do, and we just we have to get along. Exactly. Exactly. So, and I think that's what fans really like about you, Ricky, is that they know that the race is a fair race when all is said and done because they know that you've done everything you can to ensure uh, that everybody's playing from the same rule book. So thank you for all that you do there. I'm going to pass it back to uh, Sal real quick. I know he's got some more questions for you too. Thank you. Sal? Ricky, yeah. There's, there's always everybody. Everybody talks about the fine line. You know what, um, you know, and I think you know you mentioned it earlier. You know about, you know, and and it's about favorites. You know, I mean, we all, I mean, we all have our favorite drivers. We all have our favorite teams. We all have our favorite crews. You know that come through. You know, some are, some you know like to joke around. They like to have fun. There's the ones that are real serious. You know, then of course there's the ones you know that they walk through. Like you said, you know they think that you have it in for them. Um, you know when these when these you know teams come through you know how how do you draw the line you know the that fine line you know to where you know you know you kind of have the fun but yet you know you you know the teams you know that are more you know they don't really like to joke around you know cuz they think if they see you joke around with one team they think it's that oh that's their favorite they're getting away with something but yet, you know, if a, if a hardcore team comes through, you know, that are dead serious on, you know, on what they're doing, you know, they think that you have it in for them. So how do you find that fine line 
you know, as you're going through tech, you're talking to them, you know, you're trying to make them feel at ease? Nah, well, I just I, I just act myself. You know, I'm I'm gonna I don't care if they walk up and they're frowning. I'm I'm gonna be myself and I'm gonna joke and cut up with them. And if they don't like it, it they can just get pissed off because I'm I'm gonna be myself. I'm not gonna change for anybody. And it, it is what it is. We're we're all there. We're, we're gonna have a good time. Um, we have to, and we can get the job done without being a butthole to anybody. You know, and I've seen it throughout the years, you know, you're real, you know, you're you're kind of like, how you say, you know, you're a real uh, neutral person, you know, you know, your your um, outlook is the same, you know, your, um, your demeanor is the same, you know what, um, you know, you don't have these, like I've seen some, they have these huge mood swings, you don't have those mood swings, you know, you're always laughing, you're, you're always joking, you're having a good time. You know, of course, you know, then comes a time, you know, when you have to really put your foot down. And I've seen it, you know, in the past over there, you know, I've seen drivers come after you. I've seen teams come after you, you know, and they, you know, they, they just want to, you know, they want to just, you know, tear you apart and they don't realize, you know, hey, you know, I'm just doing my job. How do you handle those, those kinds of, of um, situations? Uh, I mean, you almost have to treat it like an anger management class because some of them you just want to punch them in the nose, but you can't do that. Uh, but I'm not going to back down either. And and if if they want to get physical, then I'm not going to back down from that either. But it's never it's never really got to that point. Uh, everybody's got a respect for each other, and I mean we've had some arguments, but for the most part, it it it. It doesn't get out of hand, and every time something happens at a racetrack, I'll leave it at that event. It doesn't carry on, carry over to the next event because you can't do that. What If somebody cusses you at this race, you have to forget about that and move on to the next race, and when they come back through tech, you got to treat them just like nothing's happened. And if you can't do that, then you don't need to be any kind of inspector. Yeah, I would, that's what I would say, you know, because cause I've, I've seen, you know, you know, well, seen it, then you hear it, you know, oh, you know, Ricky has it for me this weekend, you know, he's, you know, he's, you could tell, you know, he's, you know, you know, whatever, whatever happened the race before, you know, but, you know, when I come out, you know, he's going to, he's going to, he's going to really check me, you know, and, and, you know, and it, it's funny because, you know, when I, when I'm in tech and I'm doing photos and I'm, and I'm also watching what's going on. You know what? And, and everybody gets the same treatment. I mean, nobody gets. There's no special treatment for, say, a Derek Thorne to a to a Ty Majeski to a um, to a Chandler Smith. You know, hey, or Elliot. you know, to a yeah, to a Preston Feltier. You know, it's 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 well, equal when they when they come through. You know, you asked me a, a memorable moment. So so let's go mm-hmm. back a couple of years. The year that I caught Richie Waters' cars with the, the homemade doors, and they were extended doors, and I made him take the doors off and give them to me. Well, that night, I, I tie-wrapped them to the golf cart that I was driving to the green flag party. <laughs> and I drove up in there with them on the, with them on the golf cart, and, and when Richie seen that, they just fell out laughing, you know. Oh, and then we, then, we, then, we had a, then we had a drink together. 
That's that's a good one, Ricky. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> you know what? I I got to bring this one up. I think my best Ricky Brooks moment, and I've seen a lot of good stuff, but I think the best one was, I think it was a second winter showdown at Kern. It got rained out, and and the, they had a go kart track in Bakersfield, and it was a dirt track. And I don't know how they managed to get Ricky to race and Noel and a few of the other guys. And, Cher, you have never seen so many guys go and, and I mean, blatantly <laughs> put these guys into the wall. And everybody that was standing, was standing, all the drivers, you know, fans and everybody that went to the track were outside watching. And it was, um, it was, it was really cool, you know, to see, you know, everybody get their shot at him. And, uh, you know, but and then, you know, of we course, actually... Ricky got out, you know, and he was <laughs> – Go ahead. We actually bent a wall that year. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my. It was a solid steel wall, and we, we bent the wall out. And the guy that owned the place, he he yelled at us, told us we wasn't going to ride no more oh, if we didn't calm down. But actually, it was uh, uh, Noah Graxon, I believe it was, the one that put me in the wall so hard. Yeah, I believe. Was- but it was a it was a it bunch was, of them. But we had a good time that night. We had a really good time. Yeah, we Thank did. It was know. it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Ricky, I just want I just want from my part, I just want to thank you for coming on the show and I'll and I'll see you in a few weeks. And uh you know, so with that I'm gonna let Sharon go ahead and close out the show. All right, I appreciate okay. it. Okay. Well, we really appreciate you being here tonight, Ricky, and uh, sharing some of your thoughts. I know the Snowball Derby is coming up uh, December 2nd to the 5th. Uh, I know Sal's planning to be there, and and a lot of drivers from all over the country are planning to be at that Snowball Derby. And uh, I know you're going to be busy, busy, busy during that week. Uh, but uh, we appreciate you taking time to be here tonight and kind of give fans a little bit of a look at what it is that you do. Uh, before you go, are there any shout-outs you want to do uh, to anybody? Uh, just just the entire uh, crew that works in the tech area, both on the West Coast and the East Coast, um, at the Snowball Der- Derby and with the SRL, because without both groups, it, it would be impossible for me to do what I do. Okay, and I know you've got a fantastic crew uh, on both sides of the country here, the east and the west, and and uh, I know a lot of people are looking forward to both the Winter Showdown and the Snowball Derby uh, that will be coming up here shortly. So, uh, again, thanks for being here. And are you on social media, Ricky? Uh, well, no. I, I, I look at my wife because I, I don't need to be on social media. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's why I couldn't find you. Yes. No, he has an Instagram. Yeah, that's why. That's why you couldn't find me. Okay. Okay. Well. Yeah, he has an he has uh, an Instagram. Sharon, it's it's uh, it's five Brooks. Five Brooks. On yeah, but, but yeah, but but only certain people get on that. <laughs> oh, there you go. And Sal's one. Well, Sal's one of the few. <laughs> I'll tell you what, if you're if you're out at Five Flags Speedway for the Snowball Derby, 
or out on the West Coast for the SRL races, uh, check out the inspection line in Ricky Brooks. He, he runs a tight ship. And, uh, again, we appreciate you being here, and we hope you come back and visit with us again sometime. Will do. Thank you. All right, thanks. Okay, take care then. See you. Okay. Uh, that was Ricky Brooks from Fat Black Speedway as well as uh, the SRL series and the Trans Am series and uh, you name it, uh, Rick uh, is involved. And, uh, yeah, he's uh, quite a guy, as uh, Sal will attest to. And uh, we're thankful that he was able to be on the show here tonight. But before we close out, this is our last show of the season uh, for the regular season of the NASCAR season. We're going to do a couple of special episodes. One is for the Snowball Derby show. uh, And we're going to be doing it uh, probably uh, December the 6th, which will be a Monday night right after the Snowball Derby. So uh, hopefully we'll have the winner on uh, we can talk to them, but uh, we'll have all, all of our fan for racing crew here uh, to kind of get together for a uh, special episode of fan for racing radio. Yeah, depending on what time it is, I'll probably still be up in the air because I fly home on Monday. Oh, you fly home on Monday? Would it be better on Tuesday? Sam? Yeah. Okay, let's uh, move it to Tuesday. I don't- yeah, well, you know what? We'll we'll play it by ear. I'll I'll I'll, I'll let you know when I'm up there, because if, it, if if we get rained out on Monday, then they race on Tuesday. Oh, gotcha. Okay, so we'll we we yet to be determined based on what happens at the Snowball Derby, and when Sal can be at home. Uh, but before we go to, I do want to just mention. Uh, we talked about all the series except for the Arkham Menard series. We know Ty Gibbs was the winner of the Arkham Menard series uh, title this year, as well as the Sioux Chief Showdown uh, title. And that Sammy Smith was the champion for the Arkham Menard series East. So uh, that was a pretty cool season uh, this year. I can't wait for next year already. And, uh, Sal, are you going to be at a racetrack this weekend? Uh, no, I'm going to be – actually, I don't think I'm doing anything until the Snowball Derby. Oh, okay. Okay. Is Sandy going with you? No, she's she's uh, she's staying home. She can't get the time off from work, and, and uh, she knows it's a busy uh, weekend, and, you know, it's kind of hard to, to – uh, kind of hard to do much so yeah so she just decided to go ahead and um stay home actually it's her birthday on that monday that wednesday and i forgot her and her daughter flying out to texas to go see some uh i don't know some some girly stuff (laughs) okay what's that hallmark hallmark channel stuff oh some of it i don't know yeah, some Christmas stuff over there in Texas her daughter had seen and some museum. I don't know, it might be like the Precious Moments Museum or something like that they're going to go look at. You still there, Sherrod?
Ciao. I know. It's weird. I think I lost you again. Yeah, I got dropped from the uh, show. So what I was saying is I wanted to thank you for all that you've done this season uh, and bringing the guests to the show and including Ricky Brooks. Uh, We really appreciate all that you contribute to the show. So thank you very much. Oh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Always a lot of fun. (laughs) It always is. So, uh, and we'll look forward to uh, the next show uh, in the in that first week of December. So keep us posted. Yeah, I will. Okay, take care now, Sal. Okay, good night. All right, everybody, have a nice good weekend, night. and we'll talk to. Good night. We'll talk to everybody later. Okay, goodbye. Goodbye. All right, uh, we're at the top of the hour, and that means it's time for NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. And uh, joining us for that show is, uh, first of all, let me bring into the queue here, Andy Lasky. Welcome to the show, Andy. Hey, thanks, Sharon. How are you guys doing tonight? Really well. Uh, looking forward to our uh, discussion here tonight. We've got a full house. We also have Jay Huseman on board. Welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you, Sharon. Andy, what's up? Not too much. All right. Also joining us for tonight's show is Michael Orzel. Welcome to the show, Mike. Glad I could make it for the last show of the regular season and wish everyone one last 2021. <laughs> there you go. And then also, uh, no, we don't have. Okay. Are, are we having a fourth guest? Jay? Uh, the invite was sent out. I had not heard back from him, so... Uh, if I get anything from him before the half hour mark and he can still call in, we'll have to wait and see. Okay. Uh, we'll wait and see and let you know when, when he comes in, we'll bring him in the queue. Uh, with that though, uh, let's sound off for tonight. And Andy, I'm going to let you kick us off. Well, this one came out today and, and kind of a, a big one, really Speedway Motorsports, uh, is so slated to, uh, purchased the Dover International Speedway and the Nashville Super Speedway, essentially Dover Motorsports, who owns both of those racetracks. I thought that was uh, pretty significant uh, moving forward, especially as it pertains to possible schedule adjustments in the years coming. Yes, uh, I saw that too. Jay, your thoughts about uh, the Speedway Motorsports uh, buyout of uh, Dover Motorsports? Well, I'm a, I'm a nice guy. I would actually like to let Mike go first, if that's okay. Uh, I saw his All comment, right. and I'm kind of curious as to what it is. Uh, I do have some of my own thoughts, but uh, that'll give me some ammunition to use against him. So if Mike would go first, I would appreciate it. Okay, Mike, you got your soapbox? Well, what Jay's alluding to is my reply uh, when this came up in our initial team I don't know if you want to call it a chat group or whatever, was I don't like this at all. And I've got two reasons, really, that I don't like it. First, the consolidation of almost every track that NASCAR runs on between either ISC or SMI. Um, being, that is, I believe, now with, with Dover being acquired, that's going to be 34 of 36 race weekends, something like that. I think Watkins Glen and Coda. Uh, and maybe Road America are the only tracks now that NASCAR goes to that are not owned by either ISC or SMI. Um, 
I find that concerning because it's a little bit, uh, it's getting into kind of monopoly territory. And you, you see games play like what they did with North Wilkesboro, where SMI acquired North Wilkesboro and then basically took the two dates away from North Wilkesboro to move it over to their, more, their newer tracks. I wouldn't even want to say more popular, but their newer tracks at the time, Texas uh, and Las Vegas. So my concern here is that with this consolidation of ownership, we could see something similar where uh, tracks lose dates or get dates moved around in the interest of promoting that company, possibly at the expense of the fans. My other concern with this is kind of uh, completely separate. Dover Motorsports was a very different company from most other track ownership groups, specifically SMI and ISC, but also other ownership like the owners of Watkins Glen and whatnot. And the big difference with Dover Motorsports is they were a publicly traded company versus most of these tracks are held by private companies. What that means for us as fans is because they were a publicly traded company, they had to report a lot more information via uh, their SEC filings, so things like attendance numbers, where the revenue sources were coming from, trends in those revenue sources, whether they were increasing or decreasing. Dover Motorsports had to reflect all of that and report it to the SEC, and therefore it was publicly available to us as the fans. And that pulled the curtain back a little bit. We could see how some of these tracks are operating and whether our perceptions as fans in terms of attendance numbers or revenue were correct or not. And Dover Motorsports was indeed showing declines in revenue due to attendance. They showed the lion's share, something like 90% of the revenue was coming from TV, things like that. And none of that would have been available to us as fans if they were a publicly or privately held company like SMI is. So now that window that we have into the track ownership and all the information that comes along with that is going to be closing because now Dover Motorsports is going to be going into a privately held company. And those are the two things I don't like about this. Okay. Jay. Sadly enough, now it's, I have to agree with some of Mike's concerns. That was my concern was I was going to have to agree with Mike, but uh, first, <laughs> a couple of clarif- <laughs> clarifications. I know at one time SMI was a publicly traded uh, company, and I couldn't remember which one of them had gone to a private. So uh, is ISC then uh, still a publicly traded company? I believe they're both private. ISC is owned by Bruton Smith and the Smith family. SMI is owned by NASCAR. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that's the ownership. And I believe both of them are privately held. I think it's backward there, yeah. Okay, so okay. yeah, well, they be owned by NASCAR. But either way, both are privately held. I'll have to look on the exchange, because I know at one time I was invested in both, uh, but had sold out. Um, yeah, I, the concerns, the fact of, and I don't know if I take it to that level of they're trying to hide it, um, but like Mike said, if you're a uh, publicly owned and traded company, yes, you do have to then answer to the fans more so than a privately owned company. So I do see where that concern is there. And then, as you mentioned, the monopoly. My take on that, though, is a little bit different because we've heard it in the past. Uh, we're down to or up to about 50-50, somewhere in that neighborhood. SMI has enough of the tracks that Bruton Smith had at one time threatened to pull out a NASCAR because he controlled half of the tracks that they ran at. So there was always that threat of he could either try and start his own series, uh, something kind of like what SRX did. I mean, I know they did it for a different show and a different reason, but 
he had threatened that before. So that's where my concern comes as far as the more that they control, if there is an issue with them and NASCAR, he could say, okay, I'm going to pull all my tracks, and that's about half of the schedule for the NASCAR schedule. So that's where my concern comes in. But that's if it goes a negative route. There can be positives come out of it. We know what Bruton Smith and SMI, uh, now Mark Smith, will invest in their tracks to make them better if that's their desire. Uh, Again, you know, Mike had it right. They gave up interest in a couple of them and moved some dates, and I wasn't happy with that then either. So we'll have to see which way it goes. But it can be a positive. Uh, I'm going to hold on to that little bit of positive and, and hope that's the case. But Mike's concerns are very valid. Okay. Yeah, I, I see the concerns there, but I, I do agree with Jay. I, I think that before we rush to a judgment, we need to wait and see what they do. Um, and and I agree, it is concerning when you've got uh, two organizations that are controlling so much of uh, what happens with the tracks that are used by NASCAR. Um, it's it it really shouldn't be that way, uh, but I don't know <laughs> right now. I think what they're trying to do is remove the obstacles that they're running into, and the best way to do that is to buy them out. So um, I, I'm I'm in a wait and let's see what happens with this mode uh, to see if if they're going to do something positive. Or if it's going to be like Mike says, and they they pull some of these tracks, and uh, it ends up being a negative, we'll have to kind of wait that out. Uh, but I don't have much more than that to say. Andy, what are your thoughts? This is going to be an interesting move. Certainly, um, I think that it will provide schedule flexibility for moving dates around in the years to come. I did read tonight that. Uh, NASCAR is not expected to terminate the sanction agreements with either Nashville Super Speedway or Dover International Speedway for next season. So I don't think you'll see any changes to the 2022 schedule. But um, my concern would be that, um, you know, those dates could be in jeopardy down the line uh, if Speedway Motorsports wants to make some bold new changes, which that's been the theme lately is NASCAR wanting to make uh, drastic changes to the schedule and willing to go to different markets and try new things, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But if you're someone who, you know, was a season ticket holder at either Dover or Nashville, I'd be a little bit concerned in particular Nashville, um, which I know was a very successful race this season, but there's been a lot of, um, interest in trying to get back to the fairgrounds and they were going to do it, I think via Bristol, at least Bristol management, and uh, this opens up the door for them to maybe shift that date to the fairgrounds, which wouldn't be a bad thing. But um, like I said, if there's any vested interest in either of those two racetracks, I'd be a bit concerned that changes will be made down the road. Um, And they may not be bad, per se, but um, certainly a big move, um, taking out one of the last remaining players that owns a track, like Mike said, that isn't ISC or uh, Speedway Motorsports, so um, kind of a big move, and, and certainly going to be interesting to see if if we stay racing there in the years to come or not. Um, you know, and I suppose that depends on performance. If Dover and Nashville Super Speedway can perform well, then 
maybe they'll have a place in the schedule. If they can't, then you know it may be uh, it may be nearing the end of the time for those racetracks. I suppose that remains to be seen. Okay, Jay, uh, Mike, a follow up. Yeah, you guys have great points regarding flexibility. On one hand, all the eggs being in one basket, it makes it easier to shift one egg around to another. Um, we saw that a little bit with Dover Motorsports. Uh, they already owned Nashville Super Speedway, so they gave up one of their Dover dates in order to make that into the National Super Speedway date. So, in effect, we saw a race shift from one Dover Motorsports track to another. Now that they're all owned by these two, you know, mega holding companies that own most of the, the tracks that NASCAR races on, it does give some flexibility to move within those uh, within those two holding companies. The downside is since they're so big, they have substantially more pull. So if you want to try and add a date at a track that is not owned by one of those two companies, it becomes very difficult to pry a date away from them. And you have a very short list now of potential tracks that you could take a date away from in order to give it to a potential new track not already owned by SMI or ISC. Because why would they ever want to cough up a date? Because those, those, those race dates correspond to additional revenue, and they wouldn't want to lose a date to another, uh, another track owner when they could just have, say, Watkins Glen come off of the schedule because Watkins Glen is not owned by SMI or ISC. That puts a track like that in jeopardy, and that's what my concern is going forward in that we could see tracks that we really like suffer because they aren't under one of those two mega umbrellas. Right. Okay, Jay. All right, I was looking a couple of things up. Yeah, both those companies did go to private back in 2019. I knew one of them had. I didn't realize they both had. Um, and, and the articles, all the articles I could quick find there in, the, in those couple minutes did report that it was to basically hide the financial records uh, that seemed to be the going um, reason for it. But there are some other things that do come out of it. I'm not saying that might have been on their radar, uh, and I know we've talked about that of, of not showing attendance. So I noticed that the uh, race purse had come back, you know, with Sharon doing the preview, that that has come back a little bit. So, uh, you know, which is then at NASCAR's dis- discretion to release it. But like Mike said, you can't verify it, and that's where where things get get iffy. We'll have to see how the schedule goes. Uh, like I said, there could be good things, there could be bad things. Hopefully we lean towards the good. I don't like, just like with the charter system, of then new tracks being able to work their way in. I mean, they already had to wait and get NASCAR's approval, but it's even more so if it's not one of their own tracks because who's they're not going to give up one of their own dates to go to a new venue that they don't own. And if anybody can answer Pocono, did Pocono get bought by one of them? That was the other that was an independently owned for a while, and I don't remember which one of them uh, picked that up. Yeah, I'm not sure either, Jay, so I can't really answer that question. And I don't really have a whole lot more to say uh, here. So, Andy, your thoughts? Uh, no no particular follow-up. I, I think that um, it's going to be – in my mind, interesting to see the direction of, of what happens with both of those racetracks. I, I'd like to think that they both have a place on the schedule moving forward, but with the potential plans for revamping the schedule in the years to come, 
you know, I think it puts them and in, in other tracks in a bit of a precarious position. And, you know, NASCAR has said that, um, you know, I would put Speedway Motorsports in that group too, that if tracks underperform, then you may see them get the boot off the schedule. And, um, you know, it's a good and bad thing. I mean, we've seen the same thing for so long that, you know, we've gotten used to the venues on the schedule and we've gotten used to, you know, going to these racetracks and, um, you know, Sharon, you know all too well that the home track can just mm-hmm. vanish and you hope that that doesn't happen, certainly. Mm-hmm. But, um, so I guess if you're someone that, you know, typically goes to these racetracks, that might make you a little bit nervous. But I suppose any of these racetracks are under scrutiny for performing and, and certainly those that underperform, you might see make their way off the schedule in the coming years. So that'll be something we'll keep an eye on and certainly adding two new tracks to the Speedway Motorsports umbrella, uh, I think gives them more flexibility to make changes down the road. So that's what we'll look for. All right. Uh, Jay, you get the next hot topic. Well, this one, uh, we'll see how touchy it is. Uh, a lot of things about Matt DiBenedetto. No announcement for next year. He did do some things prior to and through the championship weekend that maybe didn't garner favor. Uh, NASCAR president Steve Phelps had said that they didn't support the Go Brandon uh, campaign that's been going on since uh, I think they they put it at Talladega. I think it started at the dirt track there. But um, Matt DiBenedetto then come out – kind of in defiance of that with a, with a video that he was involved in in a uh, shirt and now is regretting it. I know I, I watched the video he had today uh, saying his uh, the guilt he carries and, and he knows he kind of went about it wrong, but his position overall, uh, especially being that he's looking for a ride. Okay, Mike. Just, uh... All right, here we go. This uh, this has been kind of a long time coming, but uh, Matt Benedetto used to have a reputation for not burning bridges. He had a, a good relationship with uh, with Toyota uh, when he was running with the JGR affiliated uh, Levine Family Racing. He had a good association with Ford prior to that, which is part of the reason he found himself back in a Ford with the Wood Brothers. I think Matt has now uh, completely destroyed his reputation of not burning bridges. Um, he has burned his bridge with Ford. Jenna Fryer, uh, she kind of cryptically tweeted that, for you know, long story short, the Benedetto very nearly did not start yesterday's race uh, because yeah. of some of the antics that he pulled this past weekend. They very nearly pulled him out of the car. And it sounds like the only reason they didn't is because they figured that would give him more of the attention that he was looking for than just letting him run the race. Um, I think what's happening here is he – has realized that he is not going to get a ride for next year, at least not a notably good one. Uh, That writing has made itself abundantly clear on the wall. And his angle now is going to be to try and claim that he was canceled for political and or religious reasons and not due to underperformance in, if not a top-level ride, at least, you know, a half a rung down below the top level. Um, And that's really the bottom line of it is he had two years in the 21 car to perform. He didn't. And, I'm not sure whether the writing started on the wall. He, he went kind of off the deep end or maybe the shallow end, if you want to call it that, uh, a few months ago with being extremely 
vocal to the point of excessively pushing uh, religion uh, on his social media. He had a video of him getting baptized in a swimming pool by Michael McDowell, which that's great. You know, if he, if he wants to find his faith and, and all that, that's fine. But there's two conversations you don't bring up at dinner, religion and politics. And Matt, has, in the past couple months, has brought up both of them. He has beat the drum extremely loudly on both of them. And that doesn't go very well for a guy who's trying to find a ride and trying to find a sponsor when you're, you're, you're sticking your flag in the ground on very controversial topics. You're immediately going to alienate certain population groups. And those population groups represent potential customer groups for a potential sponsor. So... He, he has really shot himself in the foot here in terms of finding additional ride and finding the sponsorship he needed behind him to get that ride. And I think you're going to see a lot of Matt Benedetto now on uh, politically oriented radio shows claiming he is the canceled NASCAR driver. And I think that's his career for 2022. <laughs> Andy. Yeah, you What's really unfortunate here is is this was somebody that, you know, less than two years ago was a fan favorite, somebody everybody could pull for, um, somebody that you, you wanted to see do well, somebody that you, you know, would hope would get that long-term top opportunity in the sport. And, um, you know, he had the opportunity to drive for the Wood Brothers for two years and, you know, did reasonably well. No, he didn't win, but I thought wasn't doing a terrible job. And, and really things seemed to go awry, I think, this year when it was announced that um, Harrison Burton would take over that car, which shouldn't have been a surprise to him because it was already announced that he wouldn't be back with them anyway. But for whatever reason, you know, there were some negative comments made, you know, after that and, and other comments like Mike already said regarding religion and, and political type stuff. And uh, I saw something in regards to uh, sensitivity training that he said recently, which was another example of shooting himself in the foot because it was kind of the way he said it that made it almost seem as if that was a joke when it, it shouldn't have been a joke. And, um, you know, then the recent stuff over the weekend too um, with the chant and whatnot. So um, controversial topics that really shouldn't be talked about or discussed. And, and unfortunately he went there and in doing so generated a lot of negativity around him. And, and I think really like what's already been said, shot himself in the foot for fan and NASCAR support. And um, that's really not the way you go about trying to get a job when you, uh, you know, are out there trying to audition for the next opportunity. Generally, you want to be on your best behavior and, and focus on the performance to run well and maybe to attract attention of a sponsor or team that's willing to sign you. And he didn't do that and, in fact, went in the opposite direction. So um, I don't know if we're going to see this guy again or not, but he's really done himself no favors in terms of returning uh, to the sport in a, in a top-tier level, at least for next year. Um, and, and maybe maybe the Matt DiBenedetto experiment's over. I don't know. Um, but like I said, it's really a shame because not that long ago, this was somebody I think everyone could get behind and pull for, and, and I think that fan support is um, pretty much gone. So it's really a shame. And, um, you know, maybe if he gets things back in order and, uh, you know, the Matty D that we all know uh, is able to come back, then, then I'm sure we'd embrace that. But um, 
you know, if he's going to go off the deep end and, and put himself on an island, then um, then so be it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> this is very disappointing because um, you're right, Andy. It wasn't that long ago Matt DiBenedetto was considered a fan favorite. Uh, and I'm sure he's got a following of people that are, are – are uh, supportive of what he's been saying and doing. But I I looked back on his uh, timeline, and I saw, in addition to the political and religious stuff that you guys are talking about, I also saw polls for who should I wreck first. And it was the championship for drivers. Uh, who should I wreck first at uh, Phoenix? Uh, that, that's not appropriate. <laughs> and like you say, if you want to get a job, if you want to get sponsors, this is the absolute worst way to go about doing that. Um, and and I can't imagine what's going through his mind. I, I know in the apology video, because I watched that today as well, in the apology uh, video, he does show some remorse. But at the same time, he, he says that he was angry. He did, It's not an excuse. Uh, and he says it's not an excuse, but he was angry, and he was taking that anger out uh, by acting out like he was a two-year-old. Um, and, again, that maturity level that we expect out of our drivers, we expect them to be human, yes. Uh, we don't expect them to be um two-year-olds. <laughs> I don't know any other way to say it. Um, he, he, he's throwing a temper tantrum is what he's doing and because he doesn't have a ride. And I know that uh, Mike's perspective is that uh, he's going to kind of play that into the cancel culture uh, mantra. But I, I, I think it's Matt DiBenedetto shooting himself in the foot, which is exactly what all of you guys have said. He knows better than to do all of those things. I expected more out of Matt DiBenedetto, and uh, it's disappointing to kind of see all of those things happen. Um, uh, And and (laughs) I did see a comment uh, along the line, too. I think it was from Daniel Trotta from an interview that he did on SiriusXM. He's had uh, conversations with one, two, or three uh, different teams, but he's looking for a team that will allow him to be himself and to promote his own agenda. Uh, and his own agenda is the religious and political agenda. So, <laughs> again, I don't think that's going to get him very far. And you almost have to laugh because it's so ridiculous, some of the things that he's doing. Uh, it, it just doesn't make sense for a rational uh, adult. So I, I understand he wants to be himself. He's allowed to have whatever political leaning he has. He's allowed to have whatever religion he wants. Uh, nobody is disputing that. Matt DiBenedetto should be who Matt DiBenedetto is. But to, to uh, purposely put things out there that you know are going to be divisive, that you know are going to create controversy, uh, that's not called for. And uh, 
Unfortunately, the person who's going to hurt the most from those actions is Matt DiBenedetto. It's certainly not going to help him. So, Jay, what are your thoughts? Uh, Sharon, if you would like to continue here and go ahead and uh, make your announcement, because otherwise you will oh, have yeah. to interrupt me, because there is no <laughs> way I can do this all in three minutes. <laughs> okay. We're at that time of the show where I do a special announcement, especially for our first-time listeners, and it's because we're going to go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time. When we go off the air, you're probably going to hear us talking still, and we're going to be in mid-sentence. And that's because we continue to record the rest of that conversation as part of our bonus overtime material uh, on our podcast. So what I do is when we complete our show here tonight, I'll go out on Twitter to let everybody know that the podcast is now available, which means that you can then go to our podcast player, either at Blog Talk Radio or at FanForRacing.com, fast forward to the two-hour mark, and you can hear the rest of that conversation. So again, it's just an alert Uh, especially for the first-time listeners that haven't gone through this with us before uh, so that you're not lost on uh, where's the rest of the show and how do I listen to it. Uh, We've given you all that information so that now you know. So with that, Jay, uh, get your soapbox ready and it's your turn. Yeah, well, this is one where uh, maybe maybe if our guest, uh, other guest had possibly shown up, uh, could have been interesting because him and I have had some of these conversations. But for for tonight, Mike, I'll relieve you. I'll be the Matt DiBenedetto of this group. I think he has a point. And, yes, as he said in the video he did, he should have gone about some things in a different manner. The message is still the same. He still wants to share it whether it be on the religious side or the political side, but he admits he did go about it in the incorrect manner, okay? And, Sharon, I couldn't help but laughing while you were referring to a two-year-old. I think uh, Harvick said it's like talking to a seven- or eight-year-old, however old Keelan is, (laughs) when him and Chase Elliott got into it. But here's the the thing. We've talked about that. Why did fans dislike Jimmy Johnson? They said he was corporate. They said he was vanilla. He had no personality. Yet when somebody does want to have the personality, then they're not allowed to. And I think about when Bubba Wallace, and I'm not saying he shouldn't have, but Bubba Wallace got the support he did. The theory was that everybody should feel welcome. So why is Matt DiBenedetto not feeling welcomed based on his viewpoints? So I like the fact that he said he was looking for a team that he could drive for that would allow him to express his opinions. So he wouldn't have to do it in the manner that he did over this past weekend, which he admitted was not in the correct way. Not that the message was wrong, but it handled in the, in the incorrect or not the best way possible. So I actually still support him. And if I had a team, I would get him because again, I still think he's a good driver he hasn't won a race yet, but we saw that somewhere else this weekend. Win your first race, you can win a championship as well. Okay, Mike. Are you Sorry, still with I'm here. Us, Mike? I, 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 I'm, I'm here. I thought we were going to Andy next, so I kind of have my phone off to the side here. Uh, anyway, uh, Jay, you're right in that. <laughs> Uh, you're right, and a guy's entitled to his opinion, and I don't disagree with him. You're, you're right that there have been criticisms, oh, we want drivers to be themselves, we want this, we want that. 
And that's not necessarily incorrect. But at the same time, when you've got a driver like Matt DiBenedetto who is looking for a ride, but he says he wants – not only is he looking for a ride, he is looking for a ride that's going to allow him to express his controversial political and, and, and of religious opinions freely, openly, and publicly. Well, that almost starts sounding like beggars trying to be choosers here at some point. And – I don't think the thing that's turned people off to Matt Benedetto, myself included, by the way, I'm, I'm sure you guys remember that I, I, I used to be a very strong proponent of Matt Benedetto, and I've since cooled on him. Uh, the thing that turned me off to him more than anything else was his woe is me shtick. And that has kind of been – that was the first round that he went through before he went down the road to trying to become the face of being canceled was, woe is me, I can't get a ride, I always get bad breaks, blah, 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 blah. Okay, dude, that's great. Where's the hustle? You know, you, the way you get better rides is you do well in the ride that you have. And that's how he got where he was. He made his way to the Wood Brothers by building a reputation for outperforming the equipment that he was in. However – at some point, he stopped doing that, that point being when he got to the Wood Brothers. He, he, he arrived in a team that is uh, probably a top 15, give or take five positions team, and that's exactly where he ran. If he had turned that top 15 team into a regular top 10 team, he would have a little bit more of a case to make for being in a position to demand a better ride or at least a little bit more freedom in the kind of ride that he gets. But at this point – Beggars can't be choosers, and Matt Benedetto is really starting to sound like a beggar. And the problem with that is I don't even know that a guy like Jimmy Johnson in his prime could dictate to a sponsor or to a corporate team that, hey, I'll drive for you, but you need to let me alienate a bunch of your customers <laughs> while wearing a T-shirt with your logo on it. I don't even know that Jimmy Johnson in his prime could make that kind of a pull, <laughs> let alone a guy like Matt Benedetto. I'm sorry, I'm laughing in the background here. Okay, Andy? I don't have any follow-up on this one. I just hope that uh, Matt figures things out, and maybe we'll see him again, maybe we don't. But certainly I think there's a lot of uh, lessons to be learned on his end, that's for sure. Yeah. You know, I hear what you're saying, Jay, and I agree with it. I think that Matt DiBenedetto should be able to say what his political leaning is. or He's entitled to that. I agree with all of that. The way he went about it, he's right. Totally the wrong way to go about it. If you look at that one photo uh, with the political statement, there's also a guy with a T-shirt that has a very sexually uh, explicit message on it that is inappropriate. Um, You don't do those kind of things when you're trying to reach out to a sponsor. Um, And as as somebody who's looking for somebody to drive a car uh, in my race team or uh, as a sponsor, from a sponsor perspective, if you want my sponsor dollars, I'm going to give my sponsor dollars to a guy who's got a head on his shoulders and does things that are, uh, not quite so um, controversial. I'll just say it that way. Uh, he he totally went about it the wrong way, and if he's yeah, he's entitled to all of those things that you're talking about, but he sure went about it the wrong way, 
And uh, <laughs> to say that you, you, who should I wreck and take a poll on it from fans? Who should I wreck of the championship four at Phoenix? That's, that's not appropriate. <laughs> that is not appropriate. And I think that had as much to do with it as everything else. I mean, it's just a combination of all the things, all the goofy things that he's done over the last few weeks uh, that are just not, um, is he a great, he might be a great driver, but if you don't have a head on your shoulders that shows that you're going to be somebody that, you know, fans can, would I like for him to be a, a champion maybe before I might have liked to for him to be a champion but now that he's kind of shown himself a little bit that's not the kind of guy I want to be my champion (laughs) um no 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 (laughs) he he has done more damage to himself by not by the way he's presented himself He's done so much damage to himself that I don't even know if it, it's reversible at this point. Um, he's entitled to have a political point of view. I'm not disputing that. He's entitled to have a religious point of view. I'm not disputing that. It's the way he went about it that is totally inappropriate. And and it's, it's kind of like what he said about going to Wood Brothers. When he... When he found out that he lost his ride, he admitted that he knew that there were things that needed to be changed within the organization to help him be a better driver on the track, but he never said anything because he didn't want to rock the boat. Well, guess what? That You should have sp- spoken up about the things that you thought might have helped you be a better driver, and you might not be in the position that you're in. It's it's too little, too late. And the same thing with his apology video. It's too little, too late. He's already done the damage. Uh, He's already shown himself to to be someone who's not clear-headed in his thinking uh, and the way he presents himself. And I I think it's too little, too late. So, Jay, you get the, the last word here. Yeah, we do agree on that, that the way he went about it was wrong. And as he he said in the video and it, you're right, it might be too little too late. The way you put it there, it's almost like he, he went from one extreme to the other. He should have spoke up and he didn't. He's like, okay, I'm going to speak up and went above and beyond of, okay, that was a little too much. Uh, you know, uh, went from one extreme to the other. The, yeah, the but one speaking thing, up to say something constructive about how to improve the race team versus saying something and being controversial and alienating people. That's two different things, Jay. Well, and and like I said, he wanted to express an opinion, but he he went, went a little overboard with it and in in not the best way. Um, One of the things though, and I take the, uh, the response to NASCAR said, Kyle Busch had to do sensitivity training for the use of a word he used. Okay. Mm -hmm. With Matt DiBeno's response, what he said was, or could have said was, there is more than just Kyle Busch that maybe needs to go through that. And I quote Denny Hamlin of attacking Chase Elliott fans. 
I mean, he essentially mm-hmm. said the same thing in a little bit different way. So I think that was, in that case, that was Matt's point. You're letting one do it this way, but not another one. And I hate to always be the one to defend Kyle Bush, but yeah, if something seems, uh, <laughs> he seems, he seems to be the target when it comes to the one to punish, if you will, or gets the bad rap. And he's okay with that, and I think he's accepted it. And he, he too, said he shouldn't use that word. Danny Hamlin didn't use that word, but made the same implication as mm-hmm. to Chase Elliott's fans. So, so that's where I think some of his points are valid. Now, the way he said it and went about it, yes, it, it poked the bear, especially being that NASCAR you know, uh, said, hey, this is what we're doing to handle it. He could have just said, hey, I don't know if you're handling it the best way maybe, or maybe you should look at some others that need to be under this same guideline or something to that effect. So, yeah, he, like I said, he did go a little bit off kilter, as he said. So I hope he does, as Kyle Larson got a second chance, and I know, Mike, he, or whoever wants to say it, he's had more than his second chance. <laughs> I, I understand that. And you can't argue that. I mean, he certainly has. But as we've seen, and I'll reference Daniel Hemrick, he's on his third or fourth, whatever it be, he finally came through and delivered. So I do hope that if it's in the Xfinity Series, trucks, maybe even a different cup team, we'll have to wait and see that he does get another opportunity anyway. Uh, You know, maybe last chance, maybe not second chance, but last chance at least. Okay. Mike, you get the next hot topic. All right, so we've been kind of down for the past topic and a half here. I would say the last one was a full <laughs> downer. The prior one was, was probably 50-50 on the downer side. So let's go on the positive side. Uh, it's hard to argue that Hendrick Motorsports has had anything other than the most dominant season that we've seen in recent Cup history. Uh, they're one win shy of winning half of the races this year, Kyle Larson being the lion's share of those wins. And, and of course, they got the championship. So looking ahead into 2022, what do we see for other teams? Does any team out there have the ability to compete with Hendrick Motorsports uh, going into the 2022 season, or is everyone going to be playing catch-up again for another year? Okay, Andy, I'll let you start us off. Uh, you know, I, I'd i like to think I've got a good answer for this, but we we have a whole new car for next year, and I think that <laughs> – like we always say, you know, the best teams always rise to the top. But I think that there's going to be a big learning process in terms of figuring out what the car needs to go fast. And, and sure, I, I would agree that the best teams will always rise to the top. But I think Hendrick had a stranglehold on the Gen 6 car and, and figured out what it took to make that car go fast. But there's no guarantee that that level of success translates to next year. And I think that can be said for any team in the garage right now. So really, I think that there's never been a time where the slate's wiped more clean in terms of uh, teams being able to go out there and, and run well next year. So I don't really have an opinion. I think that there's no doubt they had a really good 2021. Obviously, they won a ton of races and won the championship, which is what you hope to do. But I think with a completely new car next year that's not even built in-house by these teams, the slate's clean and um, you know, they could easily go from the kind of season they had this year to struggling. And and the same can be said for other teams that struggled that may run better next year. So 
you just don't know. Um, obviously, that's a top organization. I doubt they'll struggle, but um, I just think with a brand-new car, you, there's no way to predict and, and expect that the level of success this year can translate to next year. Okay, Jay. And tonight it's Andy's that took my word. Andy that took my words. A whole new ball game. Uh, we're talking one yep. lug nut versus five. New car, new teams uh, that we don't know. And we saw Trackhouse Racing uh, not quite fully break through, but be up there. Front row motorsports. Uh, again, one victory. It was the Daytona 500, but we don't know what their full team is going to look like. 2311. You got Kurt Busch coming over to that team. Bubba Wallace got his win at Talladega. Uh, there are so many unknowns. Uh, I don't know that you can. And I think back, uh, I think it was on Race Hub, somebody made the comment of, was it not three years back maybe, that we were talking about Hendrick Motorsports, what happened to them? They can't even figure out their own Chevrolet, new Chevrolet Camaro, whereas mm-hmm. other teams are. Okay? So, yeah, they got it, and they will rise to the top with this new car. We could see it be with somebody else, and they have to climb up to them. They could be the ones up on, out on top. Uh, they got Kyle Larson, who we know can get me anything and drive it. So, uh, yeah, I, you can't argue one way or the other, I don't think. Uh, as Andy said, and I'm sure everybody would agree, the top teams are going to be the top teams. They're a top team for a reason. You expect them to at least uh, be there or get there rather quickly. So I think we're going to see the same mixture, uh, at least by season's end. Um then again, look at Kevin Harvick. He was the top guy last year. Where was he this year? Under the wins column, anyway. <laughs> exactly. I was going to say this This might, and I say that in quotes and very tongue-in-cheek, this might be the last hurrah for uh, Hendrick Motorsports with that Gen 6 car. Uh, keep in mind, they had uh, a bunch of new drivers that came within that organization. And Jay is right. It wasn't that long ago. We were like wondering what the heck, how long is it going to take them to figure this out? Even with Jimmy Johnson and Jeff Gordon uh, still driving, uh, they had struggled with that Camaro and they brought in these new guys. Uh, so they went through a lot of change uh, within their organization. I think uh, Chad Knauss, but moving to the director of competition and and uh, taking over the role for all four of those cars was a big change for them. Uh, I think Kyle Larson coming in and working with Cliff Daniels, that obviously is working very, very well. And, and I think it's benefiting the entire organization. Uh, but that's the Gen 6 car. Uh, Andy and Jay are right. This is a whole new ball game going into 2022. Everybody's going to be starting from square one. And the the advantage I think they have is that they have people like Chad Knauss and Cliff Daniels uh, and, you know, uh, Kyle Larson, who can get into just about anything and win. So uh, that's certainly going to be advantageous for them going into the new car for next year. Uh, But, again, it's going to be who can figure it out the fastest. And I've got a feeling Ford's been working on this all season long, uh, trying to figure out this uh, next-generation car that they're going to be working with for next year. Um, And I don't know. I could be wrong. But uh, I think whoever figures it out, I do know whoever figures it out first, uh, that those are going to be the teams that are going to rise to the top. 
the quickest. Uh, and uh, we'll have to wait and see if that is Hendrick Motorsports or if it's Ford or if it's Toyota or, or uh, Joe Gibbs Racing or Team Penske or Roush Fenway Racing. Uh, we're going to have to wait till next year and find out who that's going to be. Uh, but, yeah, they're, they're, they're starting from square one uh, all the way around. Mike, your thoughts? All right, I'm probably going to get accused of being a Hendrick Motorsports homer here, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, you said that you know, Hendrick Motorsports figured out how to make the Gen 6 car fast, and they sure did. But you got to remember, those engineers aren't going anywhere. Those same guys who were there and figured out the Gen 6 and got so good at it, they're still there. And it's those same guys that Joe Gibbs Racing who figured out how to make their Gen 6 Toyotas fast, they're still there too. Um, and, yes, it's going to be a new car. It's going to be a different playing field. But you talk about some of these teams, Hedrick Motorsports and Joe Gibbs in particular, who have been around the sport for now. This is going to be their third generation of car, at least, if not more than that. Uh, Hendrick Motorsports dates all the way back to the Gen 3 car. Um, Jeff Gordon won dozens of races in the Gen 4 and three ch- and four championships in the Gen 4. Jimmy Johnson, again, dozens of races in the, uh, the 4, the 5, and the Gen 6 car. Jimmy Johnson has wins and championships and all of those. So Hendrick Motorsports doesn't seem to be phased historically by changing generation of race car. Uh, and I think <laughs> the, the leadership organization that they have there, it's not just a matter of the cars they're putting on the track or the drivers that are behind the wheel. Uh, over the past probably three to five years, Hendrick Motorsports has really transformed. Um, they, from just about every position, Hendrick Motorsports has had turnover. Yes, Rick Hendrick is still the man at the very top, but you know, right at his, you know, his right-hand man now is Jeff Gordon, the guy who's going to be leading that organization for the foreseeable future, one of the best drivers we've ever had in the sport. And the director of competition, Chad Knauss, arguably one of the best crew chiefs we've ever had in the history of the sport. They have four drivers now. Uh, the past two champions now are, are Hendrick Motorsports drivers, paired up with crew chiefs that they all seem to get along very well with. Rudy Fugel moving over to the 2014 with William Byron. They only got one win, but it was by far the most consistently competitive season that that team has had ever since William Byron has come into the Cup Series. Alex Bowman broke out. He was the second most winning Cup Series, or uh, Hendrick Motorsports driver with four wins this year. Not as consistent of a season, but definitely an outstanding year for Alex Bowman. Uh, Chase Elliott, if he hadn't gotten overshadowed by Kyle Larson, who just blew everyone away, everyone would have talked about how great of a defending championship season Chase Elliott had. So, yes, it's going to be a, a different car, but I think there are very few, if any, teams are in as strong of a position to adapt to it and do well with it as Hendrick Motorsports. I think Joe Gibbs Racing is going to continue to be probably the solid number two team in the sport. And, again, leadership is strong at Joe Gibbs Racing. You've got Coach Joe Gibbs, uh, who is at just about every race, even well into his 80s. Coach Gibbs is at every, almost every race. He wasn't there this past weekend due to some health issues. But other than that, Coach Gibbs is there every weekend. They've got an outstanding uh, stable of drivers, but there's going to be a little bit of turnover there soon. Denny Hamlin is still competitive, but he and Martin Truex are both probably towards the end of their competitive careers. Kyle Busch still has a few years left in him, and Christopher Bell is yet to be seen. I think there's, a, there's some potential for growth at Joe Gibbs Racing. I think they're going to be strong contenders. Team Penske, I think, is going to be in a bit of a rebuilding year, losing Brad Keselowski. I think it's going to take a little bit of time to get Austin Sindrick up to speed in that number two car. Joey Logano and, Brian, and especially Ryan Blaney had great years this year. But Ford, 
maybe Andy's right. Maybe Ford's been sitting back there tinkering with that Gen, uh, Gen 7 car, getting it ready to go, and therefore their Gen 6 program this year suffered a little bit. Speaking of Ford teams, I think Stuart Haas Racing may be in the weakest position for next year, and I really chalk that up to leadership. Yes, they've got Greg Zipidelli as the director of competition really running the NASCAR show, but I do see a leadership vacuum at Stuart Haas Racing that I see as a big problem. Gene Haas has always been more concerned about a Formula One team, and that really hasn't changed. Tony Stewart, he spent all of last year setting up SRX. Well, this year was possibly the worst year that Stuart Haas Racing has ever had. And now, just a couple weeks ago, we got word that Tony Stewart's going to be setting up an NHRA team. So instead of trying to focus on getting the Gen 7 car program ready to go at Stuart Haas Racing, they may very well have spent a lot more time, or at least Tony may have spent more time setting up the NHRA team and leaving things to Greg Zipidelli. And unfortunately, it's, that's not to take anything away from Greg Zipidelli. He's, a, he's an outstanding crew chief, and I'm sure he's a great leader and does, and does great things over at Stuart Haas. There's something to be said, though, about the guy whose name is on the side of the building in the top left corner of the paychecks. If you don't see him around, it kind of sends a message, and that's got me concerned about Stuart Haas racing going into next year. Okay, Andy. Yeah, I, you know, I, I really don't know. I just think that next year is such a clean slate that I, I really don't look at much translating from this year to next year. And, and I think that I don't think there's ever been a season, at least since I've been watching for the last 20 years, that we're going to go into next year and say, man, I really don't know who the favorite is. I think that especially – you know, through the first probably half dozen races or so, it's really, we really don't have any clue how it's going to go. And I think that, you know, it won't be until probably sometime in the spring before we realize which organizations uh, have a firm grasp on the car. So I, I just really don't think you can base any judgment of 2022 based off 2021, no matter the team, the driver, or the organization. I think so much changes with this car that, uh, we go into next year with a full clean slate, and I think that we'll have a the ability to actually make an assessment after probably the first half dozen races or so, because until then, no one really knows. Okay, Jay. You, you hit it there, Andy, and you took Dave Moody's words. No matter what the change, give it six weeks. Uh, we hit a variety of tracks in those six weeks, and that's where you really do start to at least see – the direction companies are going. Uh, you know, Mike makes it very compelling for Hendrick Motorsports, as he did for Joe Gibbs. You could make that for several others. I'm on the side of, we talked about this earlier in the year, though, Kevin Harvick kind of alluded to uh, the fact that, not necessarily that this was a throwaway year, but that their focus was already on the next-gen car. So, I'm curious to see where Ford, specifically Stuart Haas Racing, does come out the gate because of some of the comments made, and obviously I think you're going to see Harvick uh, return with a vengeance. <coughs> Excuse me. And we saw that in the final couple races this year, uh, he got back up front, wanted to battle for some wins, wanted to battle with the most popular driver. The fire is still there, and, and Harvick is one that will take a company on his back and lead it uh, in the absence of Stuart. Uh, Tony Stewart, if you will. I still don't see that as that big an issue. Uh, yes, it is a positive thing when they're around more, but we've seen that with Roger Penske, Chip Ganassi. Uh, you know, they have mm-hmm. other obligations, and they all learn from, in my opinion, 
Coach Gibbs. Put the right people in the right places, and it'll run itself. And if even if you're not there, you still got two out of four battling for the championship and, and coming close. So um, it'll be interesting to see. But I think that Ford might be the sleeper, uh, at least to start the season, because like I said, Harvick had kind of alluded to that they were a little more focused on next year than this year uh, when we talked about that of it possibly for teams being a throwaway year. Yeah, and one of the reasons why it's so hard to be a back-to-back champion is because you spend that last half of the year working on winning the championship and and the playoffs that you're not prepared for the following year. Uh, so I, I do think that that might work against them. Uh, we forget, too, that they did struggle with that Camaro. Hendrick Motorsports struggled with the Camaro when it came out. Uh, they could not get that thing figured out. Uh, and, and Jay's right. We were all asking what's going on with Hendrick Motorsports that they can't figure out this Camaro um, because the other teams were figuring it out. Uh, so they do struggle sometimes with, with some of those things. Uh, I, I do think that the cream's going to rise to the top. I do agree that they've got the same people in place, uh, the same engineers that are going to be working on this and trying to figure it out and, and to make their drivers successful. Uh, and the cream is going to rise to the top. We know that's going to happen. Uh, it's just which team is going to figure it out first. And there's, I think there's more options than one. I think that, that there are several options out there for who might be uh, those teams that rise to the, to the occasion. And uh, we'll have to wait for next year to find out who those teams are. Uh, but, yeah, it's going to take them a while uh, to figure it out. They're not going to come out of the gate, I don't think. Unless uh, Jay's right, and I, I heard Kevin Harvick say exactly those words. They're not worried about uh, this year. They were more concerned about the new car that was coming out in 2022. So I do think uh, that they may have already put some efforts into it, and maybe some other teams have too, but we're going to have to wait and see. Uh they, they might have put more effort into it, but don't see the results, too. <laughs> Who knows what's going to happen? Uh, unless you've got the crystal ball, Mike. No, I wish I did. Not, the other thing I wish, I wish it was February already. I've got the shakes, and it hasn't even been 48 <laughs> hours yet. <laughs> we, we need to get cars back on the track and soon, and I can't wait to talk about it. All righty. Uh, it's going to be fun, no matter what, right? Okay, we're coming up to the top of the hour here, so we'll go ahead and do our roundtable. Uh, I'm glad we had our original crew here tonight. I look forward to having uh, some of the other guys on maybe for the uh, our, our one-off shows in December and January, uh, and uh, stay tuned for when those shows will be. But uh, let's go ahead and do the roundtable. Andy, we'll start with you. Yeah, it's a CB14 fan on uh, Twitter, and uh, I'm looking forward to 2022 fantasy points because I'm going to put more of an effort into actually trying to get points every week. So, <laughs> um, 
that'll be fun to see what I can do next year. And um, obviously really excited about the fact we're going to do shows uh, at least a couple, three times in the off season. That'll be fun to get caught up on uh, silly season and whatnot. I'm sure there's quite a bit more of that to talk about in the coming weeks. And um, I agree with Mike. I, I always hate it when it's that first, you know, few days of the off season, uh, but obviously we got holidays coming up and whatnot. And um, next thing you know, it'll be time to to hit it for 2022. And thankfully the off season's fairly short. So uh, as always want to thank, you know, you Sharon for the opportunity to come talk about racing, um, you know, as much as I can throughout the year, I always enjoy it and uh, definitely hope to be back and, and plan to be back for next year. If you'll, if you'll have me and uh, you know, certainly hope everyone enjoys the off season. I'm hoping all of you come back. So uh, thank you, Andy. Uh, Jay. I was I was going to say if if Mike has his uh, uh, mute button off and Andy as well, we'll we'll clap and say thank you very much, Sharon. Uh, again, provide the platform for all of us. So thank you, Sharon. Uh, been a great year again. Um, I want to say. Congratulations to Owen uh, for winning the Cup Fantasy points, and then we'll just leave the rest of it. I don't want to uh, point out that I won the other three, but um, and and might come up short, but uh, and who's uh, keeping track of all those points? Yeah, no, hey, y'all y'all caught my mistakes through the year. Some of them were in my favor, some of them weren't, but uh, I'm just. Uh, with the, with eight people this year and the, and the way we did the points and everything, uh, I, I kind of somebody said something about the the playoffs that NASCAR is in the way they got it. It's just perfect because it really did. Uh, you know, four and five of us going for it in that final race. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it, and I don't even mind doing the tracking and stuff because it really was a lot of fun. Um, but you can follow me. Uh, Facebook is Michael Hoosman Mopar MJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. And I will still be doing some stuff throughout the off season, uh, as well as here for fan for racing. Sharon mentioned, we're going to try and do a couple of off season shows, uh, that I look forward to that. And I know we got a couple of things lined up for that. So looking forward to that as well. Okay. Thank you. Uh, Mike. Sure. It's Mike underscore or on Twitter, Mike double underscore O on Reddit had an article go live last week regarding uh, some of the veteran drivers complaining about getting respect from some of their younger peers. So if you haven't had a chance to check that out yet, go ahead and do it. Uh, also want to echo everyone else's sentiment. Thank you so much, Sharon, for giving us this opportunity or yeah, it's a radio show, but realistically, this is just a bunch of guys over here BSing and enjoying talking about racing, which is why, why <laughs> I enjoy doing this so much. Uh, looking forward to those off season shows, um, TBD when hopefully it works around all our work schedules because, uh, you know, Andy and I especially have, uh, some, some substantial time commitments that unfortunately keep us away from these shows. So hopefully it works out. And uh, just to leave everyone with it, uh, I will quote now the he, – he's not the defending series champion anymore. He's merely the former Cup Series champion. I wish everyone a merry offseason and a happy Christmas. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you, Mike. Uh, and thank you to Andy, Jay, Mike, uh, to Tommy, uh, to Owen, and to um, uh, Sam. Uh, for all that you guys have done throughout this season, uh, everybody has contributed in their own way, and it's been very special. 
this is one of those things that uh, it, it's not it's not nearly as much fun doing this by myself as it is with all of you. So uh, thank you for all that you all do uh, in contributing to the show and to the website. Uh, I do appreciate all of you. And um, uh, I know that uh, we're talking about doing these off-season shows. The first one I know we're talking about doing after the Snowball Derby that's going to be during uh, the weekend of December 2nd through the 5th. So uh, I was t- thinking about doing it on that Monday, but Sal says he might be up in the air traveling back. Uh, and then he also brought up there could be a rain delay, and if that happens, he's going to be in the air on Tuesday. So I guess we're going to have to wait and find out what happens that weekend and determine uh, what day that week that we'll be able to do the show. Um, but uh, sometime during that week of the 6th, we'll be doing the show uh, for uh, after the um, – uh, snowball Derby. We did have Ricky Brooks on the show tonight. Uh, for those of you that may not know, Ricky Brooks is the tech director uh, for the Snowball Derby. He's so good at doing his job for the Snowball Derby that they've invited him out to the West Coast to also do it for the SRL races. And now, tonight, I learned he all for the Trans Am uh, races. Uh, and he's got a reputation to be being a no-nonsense but very fair uh, tech director, and uh, uh, fans love it because they know that uh, whoever wins that race uh, did it with a with a fair car, um, uh, one that's uh, uh, you know been checked and know is legal. So uh, if you haven't had a chance to hear that, uh, do check it out. Uh, Ricky Brooks is a lot of fun. And uh, he talks about uh, what they go through uh, to do those tech inspections and and especially with the number of cars that they have uh, that are involved. So there's cars from all over the country that are coming to those uh, uh, races. So uh, definitely looking forward to uh, the off season, but also looking forward to the next season. Uh, because there's a lot to look forward to with this 2022 season uh, with all of the competition that we saw this year. Uh, if if it's half as good as this year, I think it's going to be a great season. Uh, we had a great season this year, I thought. So uh, a big shout-out also to our listeners uh, for tuning in and hearing what we have to say. Uh, as Mike says, we're, we're just a bunch of guys uh, – uh, chit-chatting about NASCAR and uh, our favorite sport, but we, we love doing it. And uh, also to all of the guests that have come on board with us this year, uh, a big shout-out to all of you as well for uh, coming on board and, and chatting with us about uh, whatever your expertise is, whether it's being a driver or a crew chief or a tech director or uh, we've even had photographers and flagmen on the show. So uh, whatever you do, being on our show, we appreciate that you took the time to be here. Uh, so uh, with that, uh, I am Pamper Racing site on Twitter and Pamper Racing blog and radio everywhere else, including PamperRacing.com, and I hope we do have a few off-season articles to post as well. So uh Enjoy the off-season, everybody. Again, we'll be back periodically with a special episode, so stay tuned for that. And uh, enjoy your holidays.
Uh, stay safe, and we'll look forward to uh, talking with you again somewhere down the road. Take care, everybody. Good night, everyone. Good night. Till next time.